0: Welcome to the Forthright Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ian, with David, as always. And this week, we're going to be talking about uh, E3 2021, as it happened kind of last week. It's kind of like the la- last weekend and this week, I guess. It's weird, because I think, like, um, they had Summer Game Fest, which they're all saying is something different, but that happened, that started, like, on Saturday, and then Sunday was the E3 stuff for Xbox, and then E3 stuff, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, at the same time as the Summer Game Fest thing was going on. So it's like, everybody just announced a bunch of stuff last week, except for Sony. Sony uh, skipped uh, the entire conference in hopes that they might have like type of, some type of Sony play event or something later on. We don't know. We're, I think the speculation is that it's going to be towards the end of June. But basically, we're going to be focusing on talking about what happened last week, what games were announced, what our thoughts are on those things, um, and what there is to look forward to, and what there is not to look forward to, really, come this year. So uh, why don't you just jump right on in, Dave?
1: I mean, so I watched hours of footage, and all I extrapolated from all of it was a lot of sequels, a lot of expansions, and a lot of hype. And, boy, E3 2021 was chock full of this stuff. Now, you had your usual suspects in Xbox, Nintendo, and Ubisoft, among others, right? But what was really odd about this E3 was how companies... Like Verizon entered the show, and Verizon didn't even show any games, mind you. They, they just discussed technology related to 5G mobile gaming, told us about Mad Mobile and how it had great speed, but they didn't show us anything about the demonstration of how much lag-free it would be, right? then, And
0: this is the thing also no. is that E3, as we know in the past, is nobody there cares about mobile gaming. <laughs> yeah. You don't go to E3 and talk about mobile gaming because the people who play mobile gaming a lot are not people who go to E3 or people who pay attention to E3. They're casual gamers. So totally wrong venue to be talking about this stuff.
1: <laughs> I'd say there's some hardcore gaming, but I feel like it's more reserved than like the VR space, things like that, but they never show that stuff either, you know? Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird that Verizon was there. And then you had in television, which was an interesting one, right? In television, mostly known for like the ColecoVision and, and consoles of the retro gaming era, right? They presented the Amico console, which is similar to Nintendo's Wii U, but this, instead of one player having, like, a, a screen tablet, every player gets their own handheld controller with a built-in screen, and the titles they showed were basically averaged, mediocre-looking mobile games or retro titles with updated graphics, and the strongest games I saw from their presentation was the shoot up titles. I actually thought they looked pretty competent, but... Perhaps after Amico releases and and more games get pushed out, they'll be able to kind of swoon more gamers. But I'll admit, I thought the most appealing aspect aside of the shoot 'em ups was that they kind of had this ten dollars price point for a lot of the games digitally being purchased, which I think is a good idea. And then they also had the ban on like loot packs and things like that, which I thought was a cool from a consumer standpoint.
0: Yeah, but what I thought because like the, pres- the guy giving the presentation was Tommy Telerico, who. He brought, every time he's on something, he always <laughs> brags about his accolades, like, I'm the, I have the Guinness World Record for working on the most video games ever, because he does music and a bunch of other stuff. But if you look at his record of games, he has a lot of stuff that he was in, in, in charge of and ahead of that were shit, like Advent <laughs> Rising was a garbage game that didn't even get to complete its vision because it did so poorly. Uh, and he's also known from back in the day in the G4 uh, origin days, like where they had like four shows that they played a repeat. He was like a host of like three of them.
1: I don't even remember um, that. That's, that's pretty ancient stuff though. <laughs> every,
0: yeah. Every time I see that guy, I'm like, okay, what's he do? What's he pitching this time? And I saw on this, like he was bragging about his accolades. I'm like, but what have you made? That's good. You've made a lot of stuff doing a lot of stuff. Isn't, doesn't mean you're going to make good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I can see the pauses You're coming up with this, but too, I'm like, this is just another uh, console that somebody else is going to th- try and throw in there.
1: That's not going to make any get any real traction. It kind of came across as like a um, like the SNES Mini, but a, a reinvented one for Intellivision. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it, but I think part of it is because I'm a retro gamer, so I like that aspect. I like the aspect of a more accessible console platform, right? Like when they showed this console off when you play on Xbox or or like a PlayStation and stuff, there's a lot of issues with having to connect your console to the internet, doing all these authorizations and stuff, even if you have a disc. Whereas, you know, these, these type of consoles are more simple pimple. You just kind of boot them up, connect, and you're pretty much in for the most part. Might have to create an account and something like that. But I think this more simplified approach and clearly from the ad, for those who saw it, it was clearly geared more towards like older gamers who were kind of want a more simple approach.
0: You know, that's the thing. Is that like the NES uh, mini, the SNES mini, the Sega Genesis mini, that type of stuff? Those sold on nostalgia of kind of our generation. This is trying to sell on the nostalgia, almost of like the older generation that grew within television and all that stuff. But I don't <laughs> see those guys buying a lot of these, or those, or a lot of those people around who would who would spend money on this.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I think it'll be one. It'll probably be like the Ouya,
0: <laughs> yeah. For
1: those who even remember that blip, um, but we'll see. Who knows? I mean, they they had a stronger showing than I would say most in terms of software, um, but you know, in television aside, you also had Take Two Interactive, which they had an extremely boring E3 panel, basically a Zoom call that didn't show any game footage, didn't announce anything new. I would only recommend watching this video if you have trouble sleeping uh, but we'll discuss some more stuff on this one later because we got some thoughts on this um, and yeah how bad I mean, it was. that was
0: also one that was that was kind of hyped up people were thinking oh cool they'll maybe take two is gonna be there maybe they'll announce uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 upgrades for next gen maybe they'll announce Grand Theft Auto 6 maybe they'll announce some uh, new stuff from all
1: these other publishers that they own <clears throat> that wasn't the case yeah, some people on Twitter were discussing they really wanted a remaster for Red Dead 1, which I thought would be interesting.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as soon as I played Red Dead 2, I'm like, just take Red Dead 1 and put it in this engine and give me the whole <laughs> whole experience in one game. <laughs> I'd play through the entire thing. It'd take me like six months to get through it, but I'd play all through all of it.
1: Yeah, Red Dead 1 is really good. And yeah, I, I got thoughts on Red Dead 1 and 2 as, as well. But yeah, Red Dead 1, I think, is the superior game between the two. Um, now... Take two aside as well, Mythical Games, which I've never heard of these guys before, they came to the show showing a game called Blancos. This was the only game they showed, and it's a free-to-play platformer with lots of in-game customizable items and this focus on vinyl toy designs as the basis behind the game. And If you don't know what vinyl toys are, you may have heard of a company called Funko Pop that really specializes in this area. And Blanco's appears to be a new competitor to the Funko Pop, but I'm not really sure if this game or the toys has really, has it really any demand in the, the gaming space, right?
0: Yeah. As we said, like every game, every time you pitch a game, a movie idea or something, the first question that should be coming out of anybody's mouth is who's our customer? Who wants this? Is there a customer base for it? And then there's plenty of things you can do to like do customer research to find out if you have an audience, and, like, when we heard about this, I'm like, I don't think they asked anybody if they wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like somebody's idea like, this would be cool, let's do this, and didn't think about who's going to buy this, because I am I'm certainly have no interest in this
1: whatsoever. Yeah, the gameplay didn't look very good either. <clears throat> it looked like a very cheap, like, almost like a web browser game, but with 3D, to me. Yeah,
0: but when you say it like that, like, there's people who love RuneScape, which was a web browser game. There's people who love Roblox, which is very simplistic uh, gameplay movement. Uh, which is very targeted towards kids. I know some negative response was because this goes into the uh, was the NFT cryptocurrency thing. Yeah, that some people are like, here you made a game for children and you're and you're targeting kids with an NFT type of model. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like kids just play games type of thing. I I don't think I don't think that's necessarily their intention there, but it does seem weird to start talking about that stuff when you have like this very basic type of game yeah and them having it just dead didn't mouse look very interesting
1: yeah remember yeah. they had dead mouse
0: <laughs> yeah and dead mouse isn't even relevant I man he was barely relevant in the mid-teens when like they had versions of him in watchdogs
1: yeah he, he's more of a like a visual icon these days more than a music icon but yeah that's blanco's was very interesting to see because like you said who wants this i don't really know and Like you said also about Sony, right, for those who just don't know, Sony has basically ceased attending E3 in lieu of having these private events for their own platforms and games. So, you know, on that note, let's go ahead and jump into day one of E3 2021. And that started out with Gearbox, right? Um, So Gearbox, um, actually Ubisoft presented first, but we're going to discuss Gearbox first because I feel like they... We'll kind of focus on like the, the lesser aspects of E3 going into the stronger aspects of it for each day. Gearbox showed Borderlands the movie as a topic of discussion. They didn't really show anything. They even blurred out um, somebody playing Tiny Tina. Uh, I'm not really sure what to think about this movie. It's going to be directed, directed by Eli Roth. Um, I didn't even know they were making a movie about it. And I'm not sure it was something people wanted, especially from Eli Roth.
0: Yeah, I was surprised when I found out they're making a movie. It wasn't from I w- I heard about it before this though because I he- I've been hearing casting uh, releases of people playing different roles in it. I'm like, oh, they're actually making a movie. Okay, that's interesting. Don't know if it's going to be any good. You Gotta wait till we see what a trailer or what something looks like. Um, because a lot of love of Borderlands is definitely the writing, which yeah, you could translate to a movie. But the biggest thing that sold Borderlands was its art style. So is this going to be an animated movie or a live action movie? If it's live action okay, your writing has to be really, really solid and costume design has to be done really, really well to make it work out. Is Eli Roth known for having really great writing and really great costume design in
1: any of his movies? Not really. I mean, he, he, he um, had cabin fever. I'll give him cabin fever, but, I mean, all his work beyond that, the only thing he was even known for after... Bear in mind, cabin fever was, like, over a decade ago, right? The only thing he was known for afterwards was acting in Inglorious Bastards, and that's about it. Uh, well, he's known for Hostile. Uh, I think. But it wasn't good, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Hostel wasn't good, but ho- but
0: he's like the grandfather of like he's like the father of modern day torture porn type of thing because of Hostel. Um. So and, and then you take that concept right. Like, here's a horror director who's going to do Borderlands. Borderlands isn't necessarily a horror game. So the, what what's this going to be about? And honestly, the writing from the writers at Gearbox themselves, Borderlands Three is really kind of fucking boring and long and drawn out. Honestly, the best Borderlands game is Borderlands Two. That has the best villain and the best characters in there, uh, which is a lot of what they're bringing to this movie. But we, like I said, don't know anything about it. It's weird to, I think it's weird for them to go to E3 and say talk about a movie where this would be <laughs> better fit for like Comic Con, yes, uh, in San Diego or something.
1: Yeah, and they did have some other games. Like, the only three games they showed besides... Well, the only three games they did show, right, because Borderlands was all movie stuff, is Tribes of Midgard, which looked like a cheap Diablo game. I actually thought it was going to be a made-for-mobile type of game, right? Which isn't really a slant against mobiles. It just it just didn't look like it was graphically powerful or anything, like, compelling. Um, but it's being released for consoles, right? And... Uh, I mean, I, I personally don't have anything good to say about it from seeing it. It looks like something I've seen better executed on the 360 even, right? Like Dungeon Siege. Um, yep. There was Godfall, a hack and slash RPG similar to the God of War playstyle, but that's going to be exclusive to PS4 and PS5.
0: It's also not a very... It, Godfall took forever for them to make. I remember seeing this at PAX and game conventions year after year after year and it finally launched and it doesn't seem like a lot of people like it. <laughs> so it's not like it's not like a groundbreaking must-buy console mover game either. So it's like, yeah, Godfall. We're adding more shit to it and people are like, meh, Godfall. Uh.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the only part I even liked about that presentation was if you buy it on PS4, you get it on PS5. Cool. But that was about my only positive thing there. Is it you buy it on PS4, you get it on PS5 or is it PS5 users get it free because they bought it on ps4 correct so if you own it on ps4 you automatically get the upgrade because bear in mind people who don't have a ps5 and aren't familiar ps4 games are backwards compatible with ps5 but they're not in the same way as the xbox series x games there's xbox series x and s can play xbox one games they it's automatically out of the box compatible with it ps5 doesn't really have that same level of compatibility
0: and that's the weird thing is what is that when you have to take something that's a common feature on your competition and make that a, a talking point for your announcements like, get with the program, guys. All games from last gen are playable on the next gen. And the only difference is that uh, with Xbox, all a lot of them get up-res for upres already just for, through the hardware. And PlayStation is either going to play as a PS4 game on there, or you're going to either pay or in the, maybe some cases like this, you might get a PS5 upgrade with uh, by owning a previous game. And they've only done that for very few games. He's like, Spider-Man, uh, if you had the PS4 version, you had to buy a PS5 version. They didn't give it to you for free. So, it's like a v- only few games on P- um, PlayStation's uh, platform are going to have the, oh, you automatically get the PS5 version for free. Um, and it's going to be select games that they pick. Um, I don't know. Sony, like I said, Sony may have something up there up th- their sleeve but we're not going to know until they actually do a presentation maybe at the end of the month or later on um they're probably going to want to distance themselves from e3 for a while and then come up with a bunch of news so that's only they're the only thing everybody's talking about
1: yeah and i think a lot of things were difficult this year because of obviously for COVID. don't want to get into that because that's just such a touchy subject these days but it's you know it did have implications because it's always hosted in la at the convention center and obviously i'm in san diego you're in washington in, in the you know redmond area so, you're in a completely different c- circumstance than I am in terms of policy, and, and a lot of stuff was basically held back from events and whatnot. So, no one really knew it was going to happen. So, we got this all digital version of E3, which I, I think is part of the reason why maybe we didn't get to see a lot of games. But who knows? But the other thing though is that like E3's been dying for years, right? It's been
0: going downhill. People have been bailing out it and doing their own things. Like literally, EA said we're not going to do E3, but then they opened up their own venue across the street from E3 a few years ago. <laughs> And still did their announcements the same week. It's just they weren't doing it at an E3 venue. Um, where That's where I saw this going. Like, E3 is going to die, and we're just going to get online conferences from everybody. Which makes sense, because they're cheaper to produce, put together, and you can still get all the same content out there. And you can do your own time slot and not have to fight for a time slot with the E3 schedule, right? Uh, you just don't have press doing hands-on gameplay and behind-door press screenings like you would at the E3 event. Um, But it seems like nowadays society is like, hey, we're tired of the E3 world. We want something more direct and uh quicker to consume. So that's why I think these conferences is probably the way of the future. It's just this year seems like nobody was ready for anything.
1: Yeah, it did seem like a scramble. Even like the, the other game Gearbox showed Wonderlands, right, which is basically a franchise that's oriented around Tiny Tina, which is probably everyone's most favorite character in the Borderlands franchise. I mean, Man, this, she, she definitely has her haters. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But I mean, it's when you look at the characters you play in, in Borderlands, they're kind of placeholder-like characters. They don't really have much of a personality because you're supposed to step into their feet or their shoes, so to speak, and kind of take on that role. Whereas Tiny Tina, she really is a very personality-wise fleshed-out character. And what they did show about it, I mean I got those Peter Molyneux hype vibes <laughs> when they showed Wonderlands, uh, because I just saw a lot of hype around it, but they didn't see they didn't see any gameplay. Um, and they just gave a, a release date of twenty twenty two. I mean, you kinda had some thoughts on what you think it was gonna be based around.
0: Yeah, I mean like looking at it, um I'm thinking, all right, cool, the Borderlands game, but it's not gonna be the same thing that we've been getting with Borderlands with the Borderlands main franchise. What this is kind of based off of is that there was a DLC for Borderlands two, which was a D uh, Tiny Tina's Dungeons & Dragons game, <clears throat> which was actually, in the Borderlands 2 story, a really cool encapsulated story of, like, how Tiny Tina was mourning the loss of uh, Roland, <clears throat> who had died, by going through this D&D campaign and trying to, like, save his life or something uh, because she's having a hard time dealing with the grief, right? But besides that, it was a really cool version of Borderlands in a D&D world, Uh, Again, where the writing was spot on with all the jokes and everything, it felt like, cool, they're going to have the good writing, they have a huge, uh, seems like they're going to have a huge cast of stars, which is a surprise for Borderlands game because they're notoriously known for not using voice actors because they don't want to pay people guild prices, (laughs) yet they're going to pay all these Hollywood actors to uh, be in their game. So maybe they got over that at, that issue that they had. So we're gonna have like Andy Sandberg, Wanda Sykes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ice uh, T is in there again somewhere, um, and, all, and a bunch of other people. But it looks like it's gonna be kind of a mix and match of like Dungeons Dragon magic, uh, magic and weapon and gunplay uses. And they also give you the ability to actually make your own character this time instead of having to f- fall into the role of one of the Vault Hunters. Um, that's all the information we have on those. So the concept and what i think it's going to be based on makes it sound like this should be interesting but this is like one of those things where it's like that's cool i need to know more show me something uh actual tangible and then i can make a, a educated judgment on whether or i want to get this but again release 2022 so we got plenty of time to wait for them to show us more basically probably a year and a half because it's probably be like a fall 2022 release
1: yeah most likely given gearbox release time frames and it might even be delayed, so we'll have to see. Because they didn't, like I said, they didn't show anything that was conclusive for for people to get an idea. You know, I didn't, I don't think pre is even open, so we'll we'll see what happens in time. Um, and that was Gearbox's overall presentation. Right now, Ubisoft, well known for being the games as a service developer, right? They've recently transitioned away from making these games that kind of like would come out every so often in a, in a more regular cadence of new title, new title. Maybe it's a sequel, maybe it's not. Right. But even games like Assassin's Creed kind of took on more of a games as a service role, less frequent Assassin's Creed titles. But you did see your Assassin's Creed game of choice get more content over like a year or two. Right. And that kind of was pretty much the pattern here. Right. Like they should just dance. I mean, another release in the title. Definitely not something we would play personally. And I'm not even sure who plays that type of game anymore. I mean the last dance game I played Twitch was Genshin Girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, people actually play that? Pretty thing is like when we have to test this game in game testing. Uh, for the stuff that we, we do work, I've had like some people like this person sucks at dancing. We need to find somebody who can actually dance to play this <laughs> game so they can actually be, do the testing we need. Uh, but like I think Just Dance is one of the few dance games that have survived because they've always been based off of tracking something else. So like originally they were on the Nintendo Wii, right? So you had the Wii remote to catch that. The competition to it was Dance Central, but Dance Central requires the Connect. Dance Central games don't work anymore on any on any of the new consoles because uh, you have to have a connect for it just dance games works because now I think they let you uh, they let you program put the motions into your cell phone like download an app and it can track that your phone's moving and that's how they track that you're doing the movements that you're supposed to be doing. So they're able to survive the way, which is kind of cool. There's a dancing game out there that does that. But like I said, the only people I ever see playing this is on Twitch. And it's (laughs) the stream chicks that are like, hey, look, I'm going to dance in my bikini in the fucking hot tub.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Twitch is a weird place, especially what you see get played versus what people actually play. And yeah, yeah, Just Dance, nothing really new, just really an update of the, the music more than anything. I didn't see any major differences in terms of the, the game design or whatnot. And I, I wouldn't expect that to be the case. You know, like Rock Band, they're not going to change the recipe because they're there to appease the fans as opposed to bring in new players, right? And then yep. you had Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which had which had some updates to it. Um, really, they, they kind of announced bug fixes, improved gameplay, expanding on the existing gameplay. And what I personally love about that video is it basically seemed like an apology for the poor reception to the bugs and the issues found with the launch release title. Uh, I mean, you—I mean, I don't know if you caught it, but I can't remember what the lady said. She's like, she's like, we under, we are like, glad to thank you for your patience as we did this. This, I'm like, that is not a strong way to advertise your game at a 3 in my opinion.
0: And when like one of the updates you're talking about is we're finally gonna bring one-handed swords to the game, it's like. You had one-handed swords in, like, the last, like, eight games. Why didn't it come out with this one when it came out? And why is that a specialized update? Like, motherfuckers, you take the games you had before and you make them better. You don't remove shit and then give it to us again and say, hey, you should be grateful for us adding this this cool new feature for you that was in every other game prior. Honestly, like, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is, like, corny beat it i did not i got like 60 hours into it and i am fucking done with that game it is so much bloatware so much uh unnecessary grind and no storytelling at all in it to where like everything they added here is like cool here's more games of the service here's more bloated content for a game that's already over 150 hours of gameplay probably it's not even worth me paying attention to and i actually feel kind of because i actually have like all the Assassin's Creed games, and I usually buy buy them. And this is one that I bought that have the season pass for. I'm probably gonna get all this content for free. I'm never gonna play it because yeah. <laughs> I just despise playing this game because it's just it's just like somebody watched watched the Vikings show and wanted to make a game, and then said let's slap Assassin's Creed on it, and then have nothing to do with Assassin's Creed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this game, the way they talked about it, it just seemed like, like kind of like Halo Master Chief Collection, how we're going to do some updates to fix this so that the longevity of the game is strong, as opposed to, you know, really making massive changes. It's more just there to kind of fix the quality control, and, and that was about it. I mean, I, I mean, we're talking about really a Games of the Service company, right? I mean, they also showed Avatar, right? Uh, very much likely. They didn't really show too much, but likely to be another Games of the Service title in the world of Avatar, and the biggest issue for me with Avatar is humans in this in the Avatar universe, for those who are unfamiliar, have advanced technology. Why don't they just drone strike the inhabitants out of existence? Why do they have to fly in themselves and destroy the inhabitants to take over this land, right? I, there's so many issues with Avatar alone, and then we get into this game aspect, and I kind of just wonder, you know... I mean, what are your thoughts on Avatar as a game? I mean,
0: they had a they had an Avatar game when the movie came out, I believe. That was absolute garbage. And to me, this franchise is dead. The only person who thinks Avatar is cool is James Cameron. Because <laughs> he's still trying to make t- two more sequels to it. And honestly, like, I thought the movie was terrible. The only reason why we went to go see it, the only reason why a lot of people went to go see it was because they were pushing this brand new 3D tech. So everyone wanted to see what that looked like. Guess what? It was meh. I'd rather yeah. watch a regular movie. Uh, so the storyline in Avatar is, is bad. And so basically it's a, it's a dead franchise that James Cameron's the only person who likes it. So I feel like, did you make this game just for James Cameron? So maybe he'll give you some money? Because who, who wants this? Anybody that tells you that they love Avatar, ask them to name one character from that fucking movie. Tell them to name you the villain. I, 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 they can't name you shit, dude, because nobody likes this movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only people I know who can name more are people who went to the ride, at, I believe it was at Disney World. That's about it.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it doesn't look very strong. I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, if you're in Avatar, I would say check it out. But, I mean, they didn't really show any gameplay or anything. They showed some environment shots, and that was pretty much it.
0: And that's kind of the, the, kind of the story, like, of things that when E3s are bad, it's like usually like, hey, it's all CG trailers. And so we've gotten past that point where people are impressed by CG or just pre-scripted videos because we're like, yeah, it's pre-scripted. It's not showing me gameplay. This is all BS. Cool, you made a pretty, pretty cool-looking video. Everything looks crisp, but we know the game's not going to be that. It's not showing gameplay. It barely even shows you concept of what they're going to be doing because we've all been lied to in the past. So I really think these... Uh, Game developers and uh franchises and industry playmakers need to get away from doing CG trailers as teaser trailers and announcements. They need to like, go right into, here's a movie trailer type thing for our game. Here's actual sing- things that will happen in the game versus showing me a cut scene that is completely fabricated that has nothing to do with what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, kind of moving on with other Ubisoft titles, they showed Riders Republic, which I, a part of me is kind of interested in it, but at the same time not. For those who are familiar with their previous title, Steep, it's basically the summer version of that. Whereas Steep was kind of in the snow mountains, you know, you can snowboard. Um, I can't remember what's what's when they when you wear like a flying raccoon suit and you fly down the mountain. The wingsuit. Wingsuit. Thank you. Um, they did stuff like that. Same stuff here, but now you're in the summer events. Um, I've. What I did like about it, though, is they kind of had the, the user interface and presentation of, like, a Forza Horizon, which I think actually does a really good job in this case. I didn't think it looked that polished and steep, but maybe in this one it'll be better. Um,
0: hmm. I mean, Ubisoft is turning into, like, EA is to sports, where the EA has all the um, official licensing for sports titles, basically, Ubisoft is becoming that for X game stuff. That's why they it kind of fairly well. There's definitely a market for people who liked, um, like SSX, Tricky, and snowboarding and all that stuff. There are people out there who like, uh, summer sports and summer like X game type sports stuff. So it'll have its audience. It's just to me, it feels like it's a niche audience. Um, this is honestly a, a perfectly fine thing to have at E3 as like, hey, here's here's just another one of the games that we're coming out with this year kind of and it kind of like stuck in a montage nothing like you spend a ton of time on which they don't think they really did um it's just hey this is coming out so yeah also like a textbook e3 announcement which (laughs) finally
1: (laughs) yeah rocksmith was another interesting one right i i don't know if you own rocksmith i actually do own it but i i I need to get a guitar to play it with again because i don't have one here that works Um, But it's for those who don't know, Rocksmith is a game that helps you learn to play an actual guitar in an entertaining way. And not much was actually shown. This was Rocksmith Plus. All they said is that it's coming to beta in the PC platform and that select users can sign up for it and get into it. Not really much was shown, though. I'm curious to see where it'll go because, I mean, I think the last one was 2016, right? Rocksmith 2016. Yeah, what what this sounds like to me, it sounds like it's like here's all
0: the Rockstar game content that we had, and we're bringing it to PC. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Not that they're like doing anything new. Maybe they might get some more licensing to do new songs or whatnot. Um, so, I mean, like, Rocksmith, they do have a good library of music. Like, you can find just, just about anything mainstream in their game that you can learn how to play. Um, I think the ultimate version of this is when I can look up any band I want and the system can automatically transpose into tabs and teach me how to play it. But there's licensing issues in the music industry and all that that makes this difficult to do. But that's going to be the ultimate version of this type of game of, hey, teach me guitar, teach me drums, teach you whatever. Hey, here's a song I like. I want to I want to put it in your search engine and then, boom, you find it and you transpose it into any instrument I'm, I'm trying to learn how to play.
1: You know... I, I do like the idea of how you can, like, upload your own mp3 or, or wave and then have it decode the tabs. But what I actually would love to see out of a Rocksmith title is real multiplayer where you can jam out. Not necessarily, like, play the same song, right? Maybe you could have that, too, as, like, a basis for getting people started. But I think it'd be cool if, like, let's say I'm playing bass and you're playing guitar standard, Right. Not necessarily drop D or anything crazy, right? But you're sitting there playing guitar. I'm playing bass. And then, like, we kind of jam together and kind of play songs and kind of make that as a way to introduce people to other people and so people can make more music. And then maybe you can use that as a way to record your own music on the platform. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud because I think there's a lot of potential with a game like that the moment you kind of put... Like, when you think about Rocksmith, it's not really a game, right? It's really this application that lets you learn guitar play it through your TV, so you're not really doing it through an amp, but you could also use different sort of distortions and things like that to make the sound different, right? Like, I don't have, like, a... Um, God, I'm trying to remember the guitar that the guy has from Franz Ferdinand, but it's like a guitar from, like, 1956, and it has a very unique sound. To it. It's not really made anymore. I could mimic that through the game, and that would be a cool aspect to kind of have, right? Just kind of have people play that way. There's a lot of potential there, but like, I, like we said, there's not much shown.
0: Yeah, like I said, it's it's Rocksmith is a unique thing because it's an educational game that's pretty cool, and it's taught. I know a lot of people who have actually learned how to play guitar through those games, so it does work. It's just it's a game that t- it's an educational tool basically, um, which I think could go places. But it's it's almost doesn't fit in the game industry because it's an educational tool versus an actual game. It'd be like if you gamified surgery for doctors, (laughs) like, yeah, you can learn how to do surgery, but it's like, yeah, but I don't want to be a doctor. So I'm not interested. Yeah.
1: Operation, but like real life difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and kind of moving on from Rocksmith, right, they showed Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which is another collaboration between Nintendo and the Rabbids characters, and it looks like another lighthearted title in the Rabbit series, definitely focused on kids and family gaming. I'm not personally interested in it, but, I mean, what are your thoughts? It was a sleeper. The
0: first Mario Rabbids game was a sleeper hit, and it's, like, an underrated title that a lot of people actually say is really good and a lot of fun, especially people who, like, I think, I think it's kind of like a strategy game where, Characters move around like kind of like they do in XCOM, but it's the Mario and rabbits characters. <clears throat> um, so I mean, it has its, it has its fan base, and it makes sense that they're making a sequel to it. The thing that sucks is that Nintendo took the thunder out of uh, Ubisoft by leaking this before the uh, like a day or two before the conference by putting it on their store page. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know. So that. it's
0: like, yeah. So Nintendo had already like pre-leaked it, and so everybody saw, saw it was coming. So it it lost its it's hype appeal uh, or excitement from the analysis. Because everybody knew it was coming.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely good. I, I would actually equate rabbits as being like a, a Lego franchise where they kind of take a fran- an existing franchise and translate it through Lego. I actually feel like the rabbits though, is a little better than Lego because it's, it, to me, it's more interesting in the, the humor and fun execution side of it. Um, now Ubisoft also did show a game that I, I'm a bit tepid on. I, I want to like it, but I, I have a, I have issues with it overall, but Life is Strange True Colors, which is another addition to the Life is Strange franchise. And if you're a fan of the series, I definitely recommend checking it out. But personally, I always want to like these type of games, but the problem is is they tend to be predictable, predictable decision trees with pleasing aesthetics. And I played the first two... And I did beat the first one. I got about halfway through the second one. But I, the problem was I got bored because there's this strong focus on drama. And I'm really not attracted to drama being portrayed in any aspect. I'm, I'm okay with, like, let's say you blend drama with horror, drama with action. That really works for me. But when, when drama seems to be the focus on things, I tend to avoid it. Because I, I personally don't like to spend time focusing on drama, let alone listening to people that bring unnecessary drama into my life. And to me, like this game kind of seemed like a, a... this is not
0: the game for you. Ben. Yeah, no, This game is all about empathy and, de- <laughs> and, f- and feeling empathetic for other people's emotions and states of minds. But I agree with you. Like life is strange. Like I played through the first one and I actually think that one's really good because yeah. it's a mixture of drama and like a mystery. Like there's a murder mystery and like a killer going around, that type of stuff. Mixed in with the drama of your friend, who's kind of an asshole trying to redeem themselves, right? And then this time power that you kind of have, I think that's really cool. That first one was good. Uh, there's a lot of contention on who, what ending you pick there. I know a lot of a lot of people who heard that I uh, let my friend die and save the town. Like, what do you mean? You're supposed <laughs> to like, you're supposed to let your friend live and destroy the towns. Like, why would I kill thousands of people for one person who finally decided to take responsibility for their shitty app, shitty behavior? <laughs> But that's the first game, which I think that one's worth worth looking at. The second game, like you, you played through about half of it. I got through maybe an episode and a half to where I stopped because I'm like, this isn't realistic. No random person is going to find two kids out in the mountains and is just going to let them help them run away. <laughs> Whenever like characters in these these types of life, real life storytelling games start doing things that don't make sense, it's obviously being done to oh, to further a plot. I get disinterested because it's like nobody really does that. That's not how this would work. You're just doing shit so you can have your plot, and then I'm not interested anymore in that. This one does look somewhat interesting. Um, You are given another like power, although I think the first game with the time, with having the ability to change time, uh, stop time, and slow it down, type of stuff, or reverse it, was more interesting than this one, where your character who is like I guess she's moving into a town where her brother lives. uh, I guess reconnecting, but her brother ends up dying. And she's trying to find out why he, uh, how he died or who killed him. Uh, so it has a little bit of that mystery in there, which I think is good because they're going back to the roots of the first game. Um, but the main power here is that she has a psychic ability to feel other people's emotions and <laughs> empathize with them. So if like you don't like drama, I feel like there's going to be a lot of drama in this game. Yeah. The whole point is I'm going to have to feel. With this person's feelings to understand why they feel that way and then try and find out try and use that to manipulate them to Either give you information or help you find out what had really happened to your brother um, I think the music looks good and all that. I think this game will probably get a lot of criticism from uh, The side that says hey this game is too woke. It's trying to be too PC or whatnot, which it may be who knows I don't know um, I Feel like it's gonna have a lot of drama. Uh, I want to see more of how the gameplay actually works and how the story goes. Because, like I said, as soon as these stories take a route where somebody makes a decision that clearly makes no sense, I'm checked out already and I, I will finish it. And th- and this was another one where it could very well go that way. Where it's like, hey, my brother was murdered, and the cop says, "Well, I'm not going to investigate that." It's like, well, that's not
1: what r- would happen. You would investigate that. It's your fucking yeah, job. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, the only thing I remember outright from the clip they showed in terms of like the gameplay is like you're playing this lady, right? And then the the guy walks up to you that this is your friend, and he's like telling you, "Hey, look, man i I don't really want you to bring up this stuff with with her because it's going to ruin issues with my relationship." And then it, yeah, cuts- it breaks up his relationship for right one. Yeah, and then it cuts to, like, him talking with her, and then the the girl asks you, you know, like, what do you think about this? And you could choose to be like, oh, I'm busy. I got to go back to work or telling her the truth. And I was just like, do people really have this issue with telling people the truth? (laughs) Like, like I don't know. We talk about it later, but
0: I got some thoughts on, on things like that. It's a much longer conversation that I've noticed, especially living up here
1: in Washington. I don't know, it's just to me, you know, I think if you're going to be a good person, you're always honest with people, even if it, even if you're not liked because of it. But that's part of why I felt like issues with this drama-oriented focus of these later titles. Like you said, the first one I think is really good. Life is Strange. That came out back on the 360, which shows you how old the franchise is, right? The second mm-hmm. one, I didn't think it was absolutely terrible. I just, like you said, I just didn't feel like the writing was there. And this one kind of feels like in the same vein, but it's just more, it's just, I feel like every character in the clip was like, these are my feelings. Please don't do this. These are my feelings. Please don't do this. I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with you people? Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels like having oh, a no. really
0: shitty superpower, a feeling of being able to know that people have, have secrets or they're being mean to somebody. And it's like, well, now that I know this information, should I do something about it? It's like, well, it's not your fucking business, so maybe you shouldn't do anything about it. <laughs> you don't let them live their lives and make their own decisions.
1: Yeah, it, this is, it's this weird, like, you're supposed to be accountable for other people's actions thing. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't get the woke vibes, but maybe some people are seeing it where I'm not. But it just, to me, seemed and lackluster drama. That's the thing is that I don't feel like it's gonna if
0: it's overly woke, but I feel like a lot of people are going to pull that out of it thinking that that's what they're trying to go for because that's the trend of stuff nowadays that it might get a lot of criticism for that. But like I said, we have to see more of what the story is, how that gameplay actually works, how, how these powers actually come into play more so than just I can tell when somebody's angry or when somebody's sad um, and how they can manifest themselves in a more action-oriented way and where this mystery goes. Because if the mystery is good, if you can tell a decent story with it, then it's going to be a decent game. But it also feels like they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle multiple times because the first game was really good. Mm -hmm. And they've just kind of failed with every, with every attempt so far of trying to recreate that.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. And, you know, kind of talking about another title, that's, that's very much lightning in a bottle, right? Far Cry 6. Uh, this has been previously announced and shown to some degree. They did expand some of the gameplay footage and cinematics. And it definitely gives the vibe of a, a Fidel Castro revolutionary Cuba feeling, right? And you have Giancarlo Esposito continu- continuing this trend of playing gangsters <laughs> in, in franchises. Yeah. And, and I, I really like Giancarlo. I think he's really good. I think his he's always been compelling in anything he does. Um It's they haven't shown too much in terms of the story other than he clearly has a son that wants to escape and I I do like the grittiness of it uh, opening it kind of reminded me of Far Cry 4 in some degrees Um, but I'm curious to see what they do differently um i haven't really seen much announced in terms of the co-op i feel like that's the greatest strength of the far cry series is co-op but only in far cry 5 was the co-op really a hundred percent far cry 4 it was like partially co-op but anytime you did things story-wise you had to tell your buddy to jump out so you could go do that stupid thing and then come back and be like all right jump back in and let's go do a raid or something like that um yeah,
0: go ahead. Yeah, Far Cry 5 had really good multiplayer. I feel like Far Cry 6 to me, and the problem with the Far Cry franchise is that they need to do something different with it. And they've tried that in the past, and some have succeeded, some have failed. Like uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon, which was basically Far Cry 3 with a reskin on it, had a cool, like, unique story, was very funny. It fit for what it was trying to do. Far Cry 5, I think, uh, was really good um and had a good story of sign far cry um what's what's the, the one that's called was like new something where basically it's the sequel to far cry 5 but it's after the nuclear uh waste has like gone away and everything's mutated um that's somewhat interesting they added some elements but the one element that all the far cry games have is uh the same elements that they've shown here right you have pets that can uh, fight for you and attack possibly You'll have um, fortresses or uh, strongholds that you'll have to take out and recapture. And you're fighting against one bad protagonist, which is usually somebody who's like, here, we have a really good actor doing it. He's probably going to do have a really great role. But I feel like it's just the same shit I've already seen already. Um, and it does this is one thing which they do a lot for third world countries, whether it be in movies or video games. Everything's fucking brown and orange, and that really turns me off because, like, that's boring. I want, I these places have color. I this more than just brown and orange and dirt and <laughs> and just grime in these areas. Give us a realistic version of what it looks like. Um, but like, this doesn't seem that interesting to me, and that maybe might be because like games that I can't get a vested interest in with behind the protagonists. Um, I won't be interested in. I would say like, call of, call it the late, last Call of Duty game, not Call of Duty Cold War, but the one before that, is the prequel to Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare. But really, you don't care because it's about a war in another country that the U.S. is even involved in. You're just kind of a rogue soldier who goes off and does shit, so it doesn't really matter, right? That's kind of why I feel like Far Cry Six is, is like, it's a conflict in a country I don't care about. Has a kind of probably a cool actor playing the villain, but are you delivering me anything new that I haven't seen in the Far Cry series other than the fact that I can play as a female character or a male character? Nah, it doesn't seem like it. It still seems like I I can get different types of animals to fight for me, I have to do strongholds, and then I'll end up taking out the big boss towards the end. There'll probably be some drug-infused scenario where everything gets all trippy and everything, and then you'll be able to play that. I think the other thing that they announced was with Far Cry 6, there's a mode which is going let you play as the Far Cry villains of the past as Voss, as uh the Far Cry 4 villain and as the father guy in Far Cry 5 hmm. and it's like it, it's very attuned to how these games have a sequence in them where your character gets high on drugs <laughs> of some sort and has a really weird trip where they're fighting somebody or going through something which is usually really cool sequences in these games because they stand a, stand apart from it they're taking that and making it a whole separate like DLC little thing with it um it just feels like this franchise is getting old, and they they're not haven't shown me anything that I haven't already seen, so I'm not super interested in Far Cry Six.
1: Yeah, it definitely looks like more of the same, but with a, a different atmosphere. So, I mean, I think fans will find it enticing, but I, I'll want to wait and see more personally. Maybe maybe it'll be like a Game Pass thing I jump on, but that's just my vibe with it. Yeah, um, and kind of talking about, I know you mentioned the DLC right with this, the drug scenes in, in Far Cry uh, Rainbow Six Extraction, which. Originally, you know for those who don't know about it, it's basically a mode in Rainbow Six Siege where you played this this co-op mode that was like Left for Dead and it takes place in Rainbow Six Universe. and it was originally a seasonal release that would come to Rainbow Six Siege. Now, they've taken this and made it a standalone release called Rainbow Six Extraction, meaning it'll cost you sixty bucks. <laughs> so you know, it's clearly an expansion of the previous efforts with a deeper gameplay and story. But the question for me remains: Is what the story is going to be? They kind of just showed these character dynamics of like, "Oh, hey, we got to go get them out," and this and that. Okay, cool. What what's even going on, right? I don't. Why is this infection happening? Why are we getting rid of it? Why are we involved? Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Is that like those things they had in Siege? We actually played some, like the the one with the alien invasion or whatnot. That was actually a lot of fun to go through and play, and had the different type of enemies you had to take out. If they make something like that in the in the Rainbow Six. Um, siege engine and mechanics that I think can be fun, but like you said left for dead is very easy zombies Boom everybody knows what's at stake there, right? And then you have special infected that they kind of threw out as, as a surprise This again is gonna be like well. You can't just copy left for dead You need to have at least some and it sounds like you're gonna have a story here So have some decent writing if you're not going to use a simple uh, concept that everybody can just follow So again, I'd have to see more what they do and this would be something I might not pay full price for I'll just wait and check out uh, at a later date, maybe, depending on what people are saying about it.
1: Yeah, I, I got the the inkling that it might be influenced by the fact that Back for Blood was announced a while back. It wasn't shown until this E3, right? But it was announced. And then you also yeah. had GTFO, which is made by the, the creator of the Payday franchise, right? Except with GTFO, it's a very, very hardcore four-player co-op survival game. And it's very hard to survive. The The enemies change from each time you play, and um, you have to adapt to the scenarios. You have limited munitions, things of that nature. Um, we'll see if, if it kind of follows that same vein. I feel like Rainbow Six Extraction is going to be more approachable than GTFO, but... We'll see. It's still a little early to, to call it. They haven't really shown too much.
0: I mean, as long as it's a game that I think either you can kind of try and solo a little bit, or you can easily match make and people and everybody works together, will be fun. Uh, I've I've had fun playing Rainbow Six Siege before. I had more fun when we played co op modes that they had thrown in there like this, versus just playing against other teams because. It's one of those games where people take it way too seriously. It's like playing golf with somebody who thinks they're a golf pro and they get pissed off at every little fucking thing that goes wrong. <laughs> so it's it definitely has you don't have to be in the right mindset to play. That's why it's not a game I no, I have in my normal rotation, just because it's like it's fun for a little bit. I've experienced what it has to sh- offer. I'm kind of done with it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, great game design, I would say. I, I I think it's kind of the the game, in my opinion, to dethrone. Um, Counter-Strike in terms of its authenticity of the scenarios that it takes. But, yeah, it does get old for me. It's definitely a hardcore game. Um, But that was day one, right? We're talking just Gearbox and Ubisoft. That was day one of E3 this year. Day two, they did have a little company with one game announced, which was 24 Entertainment's Naraka Blade Point. And this game, I'll be brief about this one, really. The combat was similar to Ninja Gaiden but the gameplay was very much akin to Black Desert. So you kind of have this like action RPG sort of environment and gameplay and leveling up system it looked like, but the combat is definitely heavier on the action than Black Desert was. Looked more like a Ninja Gaiden, which I thought was cool. Um, I don't think it's really for me in terms of my times constraints, but I think it's great for hack and slash RPGs with with a loot sort of background. Might be something you're interested in, but you know, be warned, the, the gameplay did look repetitive.
0: That's the thing, it's like Black Desert's action gameplay always looks really good, but when you play it, it's fucking repetitive. (laughs) Yeah. It's hitting the same button over and over again uh to get those action moves. And it doesn't it doesn't feel as good. Um if we could get a Ninja Gaiden game again that was as uh not as hard necessarily as hard, but as technically cool as like the original Ninja Gaiden was, uh like Ninja Gaiden Black and whatnot, that'd be cool to see something like that. But and I know nothing like that is in development at the moment. But maybe this would be something to, to look at. I've never heard of 24 Entertainment. I did not see this game at all, so we'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah, graphically wasn't like a powerhouse, but I think it was it was competent and the design didn't look too sloppy. It looked like it could be interesting if polished the right way, I would say. But it looked like it was yeah. maybe around 70 to 80% there. Um, and now that really takes us to the biggest hitter, I think, in terms of showing the most content. Not really the most new stuff, but the most content in 3 And that was Xbox and Bethesda. Now... Microsoft acquired Bethesda recently, and now Xbox includes the Bethesda line of games. And one of the... Starting off here, one of the games they showed was a game called Atomic Heart. Not really sure what the heck it was about. The only vibes I got was the presentation had a cross between Bioshock, Metro, and Prey, which is a lofty claim, by the way.
0: Yeah, and I feel like they showed a little bit of this probably last year, too. But they didn't show a whole... But it's still, again, we have no idea what the story is, no idea what it is. It's the first person... Type shooter like game, possibly. No idea what world it takes place in or anything about it. So, again, this is to me feels like here's a game tease that's a game that's five years away. We're not going to see it anytime soon, maybe. Yeah. Uh, unless they put a release date on, which I don't know if they did. I think they just showed it. Uh, one of the big things about the Bethesda Xbox uh, show, those. that I think they showed like 30 something games and like 28, 29 of them are all going to be in Game Pass day one. Um, so, their biggest thing again is they're pushing Game Pass like crazy because of course they would. Is that all these game, a majority of these games will come out, and you if you have Game Pass, you'll be able just to play them. You won't have to go and pay the sixty bucks for uh, per title, uh, which will be good for you if you have that, or it will entice people to jump onto the Game Pass bandwagon, which I think you can get still do a dollar upgrade now to Game Pass Ultimate for th- for three months. So, as you know, we like Game Pass. You should try it if you haven't tried it. You should get it. And tell us what you think, but
1: yeah, that's how I played Atomic Heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, because like Atomic Heart, like they didn't tell us much. It just looked interesting. It looked like it had some cool, cool creature designs um, in this futuristic world, but we have know nothing about it really.
1: Yeah, not much was even shown in terms of story, so we'll have to see. And and that kind of also applies to this next game, right? Redfall looks like a co op game against vampires. They didn't show any gameplay. We just had this nice cinematic trailer. I personally think we need to wait for more. Show some in-game footage, perhaps, before we even begin to form any opinions of it. I was kind yeah, of feel, tepid.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a cool concept because it's like this is the last thing that they showed in the in the show. Um, but and so I felt like okay, they're making a Left for Dead, but instead of zombies, vampires, that could be interesting. I don't know exactly how. But I want to know more and really all I did was pique everybody's interest. So I'm interested in seeing what what they show for this more so and how the gameplay works. The concept seems interesting because it's kind of a big question mark of how do you make fighting vampire hordes or vampires and their thralls interesting in a four player co op. But we'll check it out. It's being uh, made by I think Arcane Studios, right? I can't remember. who are the same people who did like Prey and like Dishonored when I could. like some of the powers that they should people were using were very reminiscent of what I remember seeing in Dishonored. So um, definitely not the same universe, something completely new. So that's why it's piqued everybody's interest, but we know nothing about it. It's just a CGI trailer, no gameplay or anything that they've shown.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, kind of earlier than when we started this, right? A lot of expansions, a lot of sequels, right? Fallout seventy six, the pit expansion, just a teaser trailer was shown. We'll have to see more later. Elder Scrolls Online, receiving a quality enhancement for the Xbox Series X and S. Other Worlds 2, another teaser trailer that literally makes fun of the fact that it's a teaser trailer.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I think that's one of my favorite trailers of, of the show was Our Worlds Series One. I played Our Worlds and it's actually a really, really good game. Um, has multiple endings. Uh, different char- uh, like really true like RPG character builds like you can build a stupid character, you can build a very intelligent character they have a stupid character ending they have the perfect ending type of thing. I'd say the biggest flaw with their original game though is that if you got to the end game, you couldn't and if you couldn't backtrack unless you had a save prior to like do the extra DLC that came out. basically when the game's over the game's over there's no re- no playing in the universe anymore after that um, which hopefully they'll fix with this but basically, this trailer was probably the best one because it was satire about E3, right? Because <laughs> it's all just explaining, like, now I'm going to show you slow motion because it looks cool and people running. <laughs> and then here we're going to see the car- see our here, but we don't really only see a silhouette because nothing's been designed but the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so was- this game is definitely a few years away, but Outer Worlds is a fun game. And if you haven't played it, I would definitely suggest trying it. It's definitely a kind of a cool RPG style game, very reminiscent reminiscent of like a fallout game to me. Uh, And it was the fallout like art style, but um, definitely a lot better and a lot more substance to it.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely agree that the advertising around it was, was pretty precise because it's one of the few times where I personally don't like it when a game is advertised, like let's say four years before release, because then you kind of like get dull of the hype and then you're kind of not excited by the time it comes out and in this case they made it funny you know it was almost like a super bowl commercial where it's like oh this is pretty funny you know i might not buy the product but at least i was entertained and this is kind of in that same regard um we'll see though you know pretty early they didn't even announce a date or year so we'll see how that goes um a plague uh, a plague tale innocence that's a sequel to the first title essentially another teaser trailer during an xbox showcase not really much shown looks like cinematics not in game (laughs)
0: Yeah, I haven't played A Plague Tale*. People who have said it's really good, but I didn't play it originally because it seemed like a kind of a slow, methodical type-paced game. Uh, very st- heavy on the story, uh, which can be good. I don't know. Um, it's it must did must be done well enough for them to make a sequel to it, which looks interesting. Um, uh, you can see my whole my actual reaction to, to everything on the Xbox list here uh, with the stream that we that I did of uh, watching this, but. A lot of people seem to be pretty excited about uh, a Plague Tale: Innocent, so I guess it did. The first child did pretty well. I have to check that out.
1: Still, yeah, I'm curious how it'll form. I, I didn't play the first one either, but I did like watching playthroughs and seeing the dynamic of the rats. I thought that was a yeah. very interesting. Like I can only imagine the 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 time and and care it took to program that. It was very interesting to see that many rats kind of move around under your control. But we'll see. Um, grounded. Another uh, work in progress game, right? But this one was under Xbox's game preview banner, right? Which is kind of like a in preview early. Like I can't remember what they call it on Steam, but like it's like a game you can play early, but it's not. It's still in like alpha it's or beta. Like, it's
0: like early access, but like on Xbox, you basically buy the game as early access, and then you get the whole game when it's done. Um, I've played the original, the first grounded demo, which was actually fairly short, and they've expanded it a lot since then. And then this is just more like, Hey, we're expanding it even more, adding more stuff. It's basically honey. I shrunk the kids, the video game, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with your friends, literally. <laughs> um, it, I would say it's, it's not for me per se, cause I've played through part of it. And it's like, I'm not for games that, that will require some type of base building and stuff like that, but it has a cool aesthetic. Um, they do, they do a good job of making insects, uh, terrifying. Cause you're, you're small, they're bigger than you and whatnot. um, so it's, it's an interesting game. I think kids would like it. But it's basically honey, I shrunk the kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not the most um, it's like strongly designed in terms of gameplay and combat. But I do think it's like a nice, fun little romp to kind of play through a game in a lighthearted manner. It's not very challenging. Um, yeah. They also show Diablo two Resurrected, which is a remastering of the original PC title. But I think what's disappointing as, as a fan of Diablo two back in the PC days is blizzard which is funny this is in the xbox right this is a blizzard title but they seem to have done minimal remastering and somewhat disappointing for those who do enjoy the original and and i would check out the footage if you're interested in it um, to get a good idea but to me it just seemed more of a a game that's being made for people who never played it and now they can have access to it or people that just want an hd version
0: yeah, I think, well, when I was streaming this, I believe M came into my stream and she wasn't too impressed with this title. I was like, oh, well, I, li- I really like Diablo 3. I mean, Courtney liked it quite a bit because it's a good couch co-op game. But um, I was like, cool, they, they upgrade day of the graphics so this is going to look as good as Diablo 3. Does not look no. as good. Um, <laughs> but does it definitely looks better than the original PC version, right? So like I say, it's like a HD version. Blizzard obviously didn't do a ton of work on it. Um, if you like the Diablo thing, it might be worth checking out. I have no idea what, what the price on it's going to be. Um, but I don't know. Who knows? I, I'm kind of interested in it because I like Diablo 3. I've never played Diablo 2. Uh, so we might check that one out. But I get the feeling, like, especially with a lot of the games on this list, and a lot of stuff that Xbox never everybody showed, it's like, yeah, these games don't look like they're next gen. Why don't they yeah. look, look like they're next gen? Uh, a lot of comments in my stream was like, Wow, that PS2 <coughs> game looked great.
1: <laughs> it did, I'm not going to lie. Diablo 2 looked pretty rough. I, I, like when, you're, when they're showing the 3D designs of the characters moving around the environment, I was like, oh, cool. Like you said, like, I wasn't hoping for Diablo 3, but I was hoping something in that ballpark. And no, it, this looked like a 360 version of Diablo 2 to me at best. Yeah. Um, really disappointing. But like I said, you know, it's really, I think it's really more for people who never played it. They get an HD version. Um, maybe later on they'll update it. Who knows? But I haven't been too fond of Blizzard lately. Um, kind of going on with more sequels too. We got Slime Rancher 2, which is a, a the sequel to the previous title. It looks like the series will continue its cute art style, lighthearted themes and, and whatnot. Um, but it just looks like it expands upon previous concepts of the first game. Not too much was shown. Um, you know, I didn't think the story was very rich in the first one. I didn't play it too much. But I think it's a good, like, lighthearted game for, like, kids to play. I would definitely Yeah, get Slime Rancher definitely
0: it. has its own fan base. And I think this is great for those people who like that game. They'll get, uh, they'll get a kick out of a sequel for it.
1: Yeah, and <clears throat> then we also had Age of Empires, right? The sequel to the ongoing series and, and now coming in HD. But it didn't seem visually stunning. Uh, it was a little weird. Another 360 yeah, is, looking it's title. It's really weird. I have this weird relation with Age of Empires. I've interviewed for
0: like 20 jobs for this title in the past like two years. <laughs> and every and like I don't I don't like I wouldn't say I purposely bombed the phone the initial phone interview. I'm just like people contact me about this. I'm like I know nothing about Age of Empires. I'm not that interested. Like the Age of Empires team. They are like all fanboys and like fan girls of this series. I think the thing with Age of Empires is that there's a whole generation that played this game in school, like we played Oregon Trail. Like <laughs> this is their Oregon Trail, and they fucking love it. Um, I look at this game like this looks like civ, a uh, civil uh, civilization, it looks like any war real time game type thing. It doesn't look interesting at all to me. I'm not. I don't understand what the hype behind it is, but people who love Age of Empires love this shit. So, more power to them, but it's definitely not for me.
1: Yeah, it's definitely for the, the real-time strategy crowd, but it didn't <laughs> seem to be as strong as some of the previous titles. I mean, I don't even think it looked as strong as Halo Wars, you know? Um, well, the thing is, like, I don't feel like Age of Empires adds anything new other
0: than like what Civ does. Here, we've added another civilization to the list of civilizations you can play as. They, it's not like they can add new technology to fight with because they're keeping it all in like a certain <laughs> time period. So... The cool thing about Civ is that Civ goes from like, uh, medieval times all the way up to space era, and if you get to space, you win. I don't think Age of Empires does that. It's just you have to conquer the world or something. Um, so I don't find it that compelling, and it's like, there's not a whole lot you add to it. Yeah, other you know, than making things run smoother, which again is like, great, this PS3 or three sixty game runs really well on this brand new, on this new hardware that can do so much more than what you're using it for.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it'll go. And, and you know, kind of going into the, the next part of this list here with Xbox, this is where I think the games start to get more compelling, right? <clears throat> Somerville, spelled S-O-M-E-R-Ville, looks like a small game with a minimalist art style. Seemed to be a game where you're avoiding disasters and deadly creatures, but not too much was shown. Um, but I'm sure we'll see more next year at E3, most likely before it releases in 2022. Um, but yeah, it, it seems very reminiscent.
0: It looked like uh, reminded me of like Limbo or um, I forget what the other game was that the Limbo creators made. It reminded me a lot of like l- those types of games. Inside, <clears throat> yeah, Inside and Limbo. That's what it gave me the the feel of. Um, so that should be interesting. Um, the next game they're talking about was Twelve Minutes, which this one has a lot of hype about it because it's a game where you're you only you're playing a twelve minute loop over and over, and there's different variations of what happens in those twelve minutes. I guess depending on what you do. I would still have to see more of it for me, (laughs) really. Um, But I mean, like, Microsoft has been hyping 12 minutes like crazy. Like, every time they talk about it, they talk about it as if it's the next revolutionary thing. But it's like, again, it's a game that's more concept than it is visuals because this is not a visually demanding game. It's a concept game where I feel like it's more of an indie title. But it must be an indie title that they're really impressed with it. They want to uh, tote it around like this.
1: Yeah. It, it was definitely, I think when they were advertising it, I thought it was they were more advertising the voice actors behind it rather than the actual gameplay. Yeah, Willem Dafoe, I think, is in it. Yeah, I can't remember the other two. But, I mean, we'll see. It's it's pretty early. you know. So I would say the same thing kind of applies for Hades, right? The isometric roguelike title. I personally didn't observe anything unique about it, but I think roguelike people would rarely want to check it out.
0: Well, it's very popular in PC. I think it's one of the biggest games this year that came out that everybody was raving about uh, on its storytelling and how it plays. I am not a fan of roguelike games, per se, because it's very repetitive. But I am interested in playing this because everybody has been raving about it. And I want to tr- at least try it out. Um, but I'm not interested in playing this on a PC, so I'll, I'll definitely maybe check it out on a console.
1: Yeah, and I think that comes next to the most hype game for many years now, Starfield, which is a Bethesda title, right? Another teaser trailer, essentially. Not much was really shown. Uh, I'm assuming it may not meet its (laughs) release date of November 11th, 2022. And although we're 18 months out of that, you know, they literally advertise this game as being 25 years in the making from the creator of Skyrim and Fallout 4. That's the thing is that when they announced this game, Bethesda also went through the trouble of
0: seeing they're saying we're not working on Elder Scrolls 6 until Starfield's done. So everybody's like, <laughs> get Starfield out so we can see Elder Scrolls. We all, want, <laughs> yeah. we all want the sequel, want the next Skyrim game. We don't give a shit about online uh, Elder Scrolls. And we don't care about what's going on with Starfield, really. We want to see the next Elder Scrolls game. Starfield what they showed us didn't give us any inkling is this gonna be like Skyrim is it gonna be like fallout? we just saw astronauts walking on a planet a lot of people have uh, made the reference of this is like uh, Interstellar the video game because things are a lot more realistic But we have no idea what it's about. We don't know if there's base building and that's what your whole purpose is We don't know if you're exploring new worlds or if it's like a Star Trek thing and You're trying to find new life or what? they didn't show us anything and like for a game like, Oh, okay. So this isn't going to release for another y- a year and a half. That means maybe in six months we might see some gameplay. Hopefully they show us something interesting because right now I just want the next elder Scrolls game and not this <laughs>
1: totally agree. And yeah, yeah he, even when they showed back for blood, I know that's not really a, a Microsoft uh, or Xbox or, or Bethesda game, but it is coming from the makers of left for dead and uh, turtle rock studios. Personally, though, I I think it's really hard to follow up on a game that really had as much of an impact on the industry as Left 4 Dead. And this game kind of came as a bit of a disappointment when they finally did show it. But maybe, hopefully, when they show more, it'll be more convincing. But Evolve didn't really give me a very convincing idea that this is going to be really compelling. But, I mean, it's still more of that zombie type of dynamic. Gamers will see a return of asymmetrical versus gameplay. But it just didn't seem very strong to me.
0: Yeah, and this is the other thing is that it's being produced by WB Games. But one of the things here is that when they first announced Back for Blood, it was like, "Hey, it's Left for Blood, but we're gonna have like twenty-story-tall zombies you have to fight." <laughs> From what I saw on this, is like, "Oh, alright, they're big, but they're not that big." Yeah, they're not they're not giants that we're fighting. This doesn't feel as massive as they were telling me. And then from what I heard from like some development uh, diaries that, re- that I've heard uh, in interviews that I was listening to prior to E3 is that WB might end up fucking this whole thing up because they keep um, they were talking about doing promotions much like uh, back in the day with like, hey, if you pre-order it from here, you'll get this, this, this. If you get it from here, you'll get this, this, and this. And if you do this package, you'll get this, this. And just complimenting or complicating... The fuck out of it to the point there where people are like i don't know what the fuck to buy how how do i get everything <laughs> yeah it's and like he, there might not it's like it might not be a again. way to buy it and get everything so it's like well then what the fuck so who knows um i heard there's a lot of balancing being done with the multiplayer uh from the betas but we'll have to see i want to see more of this and more actual gameplay before i jump in because otherwise it just looks to me like it's left for dead with the same special infected and like one extra one, this giant. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that it's not as giant as I thought it was going to be, you know?
1: Yeah. It, it definitely felt lackluster, but I think that's because you have those prolific expectations following left for dead. Um, and then we also had Among Us, which, I mean, granted, the game's already out. It was basically just a release date for or, or an announcement that it's coming to Xbox, but I didn't see a release date given on the, the launch video.
0: That's the thing, too. It's like it's been announced for Xbox for the past year. <laughs> it's been on PC, and people have been playing it like crazy. It's like, cool, I want to play Among Us. I'm waiting for it to come on console. They announced a new map that came out, that came out on June 15th for PC, or the platforms it's currently on, but no launch date given for console. It's like... This is already, I think, on the Switch. It's on PC. It's on mobile. It's on everything possible. It can't be that hard to make this thing run on a console. What the hell's
1: the hold up here, guys? Yeah. Just release it already. Yeah, I feel like by the time it'll release, it'll be like when PS4 got PUBG. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> um, Battlefield 2042 though, that one was interesting for me. I know we kind of had some mixed, both of us had some mixed uh, feelings on that one, but. It seemed like a beefed-up version of Battlefield's combat, but I did like the idea that they're saying it's up to 128 players, and what's interesting about that specific thing, up to 128 players, right, is I haven't seen that many players in a single PvP match since PS3's MAG title, which was fun but extremely chaotic. It felt like you were reenacting the ending of the film Glory every five minutes. You'd basically get shot to hell by large squads. So we'll have to see how they handle that, right? Because that's, to me, the biggest issue of what MAG was, is I would roll around in a squad of like 30 guys. We would go mow them down, but then eventually we'd get down to two of us, and then we'd just get slaughtered by another squad of 30 guys. So I'm not sure how they'll handle spreading out the players and prevent player frustration so that gamers aren't dealing with these constant uneven situations. Um, And like you said, when we talked about this offline, there's no campaign. So the focus here is a hundred percent on multiplayer.
0: Yeah. So like basically they are, they're expanding it, right? So Battlefield has already had a 64 player match, a multiplayer which is already was the biggest one out of all the FP- FPSs on the market, right? Call of Duty only has, like I think, up to 32. Um, Halo only has up to 16. Uh, so 64 is already a huge amount for Battlefield 4. Now, this one is 128, so that's two teams of 64 instead of two teams of, like, 32. So that's going to be a lot. The big thing that they seem to show is, like, hey, weather effects, which I'm like, when I first saw this trailer, I'm like... I don't see anything new. Don't see anything new. Don't see anything new. Okay, cool. We put a tornado in there. Guess what? Just Cause did that two years ago. Nobody cared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's sandstorms there's tornadoes. Um, What I really wanted to see, which it's probably in the game because it was in Battlefield 4, which was you could actually take down an entire skyscraper and have it it topple over. Uh, They didn't show that in these game trailers, but I wanted to see that type of destruction from the weather effects that happened and be able to actually what does look somewhat interesting and what they kind of showed or what they hinted at was that the weather effects will ha- will will happen in the game, and it, but it won't just be an instant death. If, like you get sucked up by a tornado and you have a wingsuit, you could fly the tornado and like possibly shooting people while you're in it. But the game also showed like the ridiculousness that is Battlefield, right? You're in a fighter jet. You're going to jump out with a, with a rocket launcher, shoot another jet and <laughs> fall into your jet and get back in. People do that in that game, and it's really kind of crazy when they do it. But to see it in a game trailer is like, that's just
1: stupid, dude.
0: have <laughs> an RPG and a jet to begin with.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, we'll see, though. I kind, of, they, I kind of felt like they didn't really show enough based on what, what they discussed, but we'll see. I mean, I think graphically it's never been an issue. Combat-wise, I don't think it's an issue, but we'll see. Um, yeah, the combat in, in the
0: Battlefield games have always been fun. Like I liked, I really like Battlefield 1's multiplayer, but I like the short stories that they had for the single-player uh, campaign, even though it wasn't like a full-blown long campaign or storyline, which is fine because the storyline in Battlefield 4 is kind of boring and meh. I would like those kind of tiny encapsulated stories that were really cool in Battlefield uh, 1. But... Um, If it's all going to be multiplayer, I'm worried about microtransactions, pay to win, that type of stuff that will always seep in there. Um, Because they're, they're going to have to support the private servers, which Battlefield kind of already does, because we're letting people rent and buy servers for themselves. But then again, what will eventually happen since it's only multiplayer is they'll have it running for so long, and then it'll eventually just be those private servers, which then getting into one of those is going to be a pain in the ass if you don't know the people because they tend to kick you out. Um, or if you're not good, they they end up banning you from joining them again. That type of stuff.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know about that, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It's still early, and Microsoft their their E3 presentation had a lot of expansion stuff too. You know, and on that note, Microsoft Flight Simulator had a Top Gun expansion, more content for this highly priced title. Um, I'm just not sure what the crossover is beyond having the aircraft and whatnot. I don't know if there's going to be a story thing added. Um, but constantly, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. it's, 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 it's a simulator. There's no story in Microsoft, in the flight simulator. It's just real
0: life satellite imagery of the world that you get to fly through. It, it'd be cool which, if they did more
1: though. those, what I'm saying, you know, brother, yeah. if you're going to have top gun in it, right. You got to have maverick, like, Ma- like top gun maverick. You're going to have him in there. Like, is he going to talk to us? Right? Like how much are they really pulling? Or is it just the aircraft? It'd be, it'd be interesting to you know, the aircraft and like, they
0: let you play like the top gun, uh, a school where you you did dogfight practice and stuff like that. That yeah. I think that'd be interesting, that'd be cool. A cool way to throw some multiplayer into it. But I seriously doubt it, since like the Top Gun expansion is obviously a time for the movie that's that's supposed to come out. I guess later this year, but in the grand scheme of the thing, the movie is a fucking joke, yeah. <laughs> and everybody knows it. Because it's like even even my friends who l- really like the original Top Gun. When they saw they're making another one, the first the first response almost everybody says, and almost anybody who's in the Navy says, is, "How is this guy still in the fucking Navy? He should be kicked <laughs> out by now because he's too fucking old." Yeah. Why would they bring? <laughs> he him wouldn't back? be a, he wouldn't be a be a, a ranking officer this long. <laughs> he would have retired by now. Um, yeah, 80s. But right I mean, now. it's interesting to uh, flight simulator. I think it's something that I kind of. I would, be like, I would like to play, but not, it's not a game that I would play all the way through because there's no story to it. It's just, hey, if I want to fly to this location, I can see real satellite, cool, high-end, 4K imagery of this area. Um, if you're, like, a super flight enthusiast, you can get, like, the, the plane throttle and steering wheel for this and you can then fly, like, the LA to Las Vegas flight <laughs> and it, it flies in real time. That's why this isn't a game that's actually for people who... Want to fly like an arcadey fun game? This is for people who are like, I wish I was a pilot and I can own a plane, and I can't afford to be a pilot, so I'll play this. because uh, you're just a three hour flight in this game is a three hour flight in the game, <laughs> it's gonna take you three hours to get there, so you have to make your own fun, basically, is what I'm saying with this type of game. Hence the simulator. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it's finally hitting consoles on the 27th. Uh, My one big concern with this is that it's going to eat up a lot of hard drive space. And one of the problems with the Series X and Series S is that unless you have an expansion drive, you don't have a whole lot of space to play. And even if you put an SSD drive, uh, external drive to it, what I did notice, one of the flaws with the hardware is that any of these games that are... um, optimized for Series X and Series S, much like what Simulator's probably going to be, they will not run unless they run off of the internal or the official expansion drives. Hmm. I have an SSD tied to one of my consoles, and I noticed, oh, why is this game installing to my internal hard drive? Oh, it got updated, and now it won't play on anything but the internal hard drives that uh, they have. They won't play off of your third-party ones that you plug in.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and They did show another game I thought was pretty interesting. It was one I'm I'm mildly interested in if they can pull it off, but it was Party Animals, and it looked like a cute version of Kung Fu Chaos, and and maybe for those who aren't familiar with that old of a title, it was like Smash Brothers, uh, but with a cute art style. Um, You know, uh, yeah, it it was really interesting. release date is 2022, so I would say it's too early to kind of judge the gameplay, but I did like what it looked like um seems to be geared towards kids and families i know you made the note of saying it looks like a a cute version of gang beast Um, players take control of these cute animals like tigers dogs and gorillas and so on and they basically have to fight to the death it was very entertaining um to watch but we'll see what the gameplay develops into
0: and the reason why i say it's like game beast is because it looks like the mechanics of like how you grab people is kind of complicated and like they don't move necessarily exactly (laughs) as finitely as you want which makes it kind of funny to watch people play um, it definitely does hit like, oh, this is cute and this is funny, and might be entertaining to play. I can see why you would think like kind of K- Kung Fu Chaos and whatnot, but I feel like Kung Fu Chaos and Smash Brothers are more finite, where there's combo moves and things you have to hit to do special moves. This is pretty much trying to grab somebody and push them off something without <laughs> falling off yourself. So it's very much like Gang Beats, but with bet with uh, animal costumes
1: uh, instead of just blobby you like stick figure men. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. We'll-, we'll see though. This one's super early and. Um, another game they showed too looked didn't look too polished to me, but it, it may, might be good for people who got like a quick romp. Is the Ascent looked like co-op Contra like gameplay with a top-down view? Comes out this uh, to the Xbox in on July 29th. Futuristic art style, lots of enemies, big guns. It kind of reminded me of the the Xbox three hundred and sixty Expendables two game a little bit. Yeah,
0: I can see that. I would say um, I like the co-op Contra analogy make, but I also say it's like a cyberpunk Diablo. Uh, where there's these set characters you have, they have set uh power powers and upgrades that you can give them, and you go through this uh cyberpunk world blowing shit up. Don't really know what the story is, but it is that asymmetrical or isometrical top down type of view of you and a group of people working together as you go through these levels.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if you play Sea of Thieves, but they did show um, Jack Sparrow coming, which I actually think is a brilliant addition that should have been there much sooner, really. Um, But I like the fact that they're bringing Pirates of the Caribbean characters, and I'd say if you play Sea of Thieves, it's definitely worth playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Sea of Thieves just because it's a game that you need to have people to play with. trying to solo the game is very difficult and not very fun, in my opinion. Um, When I saw this, though, what I felt, my first thought was... All right, so they ran out of ideas. They're just going <laughs> to replay uh, Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean, which, one, should have been in the game, like you said, a lot earlier. But this makes you wonder, like, are they on their last leg of creative ideas? Because now they're just taking pirate, the popular pirate lore and rejuvenizing it in here. Because it almost seems like, are we playing through the Pirates of the Caribbean storyline? Or are we just adding all these characters and we're doing something new? That is what I don't know about it. Um, but they have not more than just Jack Sparrow. They have Davy Jones. They have his ship. They have his enemies popping up. So it makes me wonder what exactly are we doing here? Are we playing through the storyline or are we doing a new adventure with these characters? Um, but yeah, if you're see these, they have their own fan base. That's great. I would rather have seen like um, Perfect Dark since they had announced that that's what they're working on. Uh, but there was no that was also missing from this E3 event. We didn't see perfect dark or any other rare titles that we thought that they were going to try and be putting out.
1: Yeah. They kind of stuck to the usual suspects. I mean, another one they announced was force horizon five, which uh, the only thing I thought was interesting is that they chose Mexico as the location, but that was really, they basically announced that they only chose it because it has snow cap mountains. It has desert. It has, you know, forests, jungles and all this jazz. Um, but I, I didn't feel like it was strongly compelling beyond, like, here's Forza Horizon 4, but with a different environment, you know. And, and I liked Forza 4, Horizon 4.
0: <clears throat> and, yeah, I like the Horizon series as well because of the wackiness that kind of happens, like the crazy showstopper races that you do when you're racing, like, giant hovercrafts or jets and trains and stuff. And they set, they set those up and execute them very well, but they didn't showcase that here. Their big thing was on the location, as they usually do with Horizon, but... Picking Mexico seemed like an odd choice to me because it's like Mexico's not known for having like lots of driving roads to drive on. But <laughs> then you think back, well, neither does uh, Scotland, but their big thing there was that they could change the season. So them saying, "Oh, we picked Mexico it has all these different biomes. It's like, but you just came out with a game a few years ago that you can change the biome with weather effects. So why do we need to be in this specific location for that when you can just do that anyway? <laughs> um I don't know. To me, it's like I'm not super interested in the location where it's at. It doesn't pique my interest. Um, I'd be more interested in seeing, like, all right, what type of showstopper uh, events do they have for the festival in this in this uh, version of the game, and are they going to be as exciting and, and as unique and cool as they were in the other ones? Because um, I really do like the like, even the Halo mission that they threw in, mm. in Horizon, Horizon Four was really cool and like interesting how they threw that element in there. Um, whereas since they're not using that to showcase the game, I have no idea if it's going to have like the fun things that I like about it.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it develops into. I think there's some aspects of Mexico that would be interesting, like the temples, you know, you could show the Aztec temples, right, which is more near Mexico City. You could show the Mayan temples, um... There's a, there's You have Baja, right? You don't have to just go with like the main part of Mexico. You can go with Baja, California. I think there's a lot of options there, but like they didn't show too much, so I'd have to see more. Um, yeah, and then what
0: they emphasize is like, oh, hey, look, here's some real-life graffiti art that we had, like this artist make for us. And I'm like, I'm not going to drive in force Verizon to stop in the middle of a town to admire the art, dude. And they talked a lot more like, hey, look, we're using photo, photorealistic graphics for these rock formations and this and that. I'm like... That's great, but where are the roads like, dude? Is this all going to be off-roading? I mean, I honestly don't know. Does Mexico have a lot of, a lot of like, well-paved roads to be driving across? across? Not necessarily, no, but I know the cartels paved some. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, like you said, like, it would be interesting <laughs> to see Mexican temples, right? Well, there's no if there's no real roads that go around it, are we just now just kind of being a complete arcade game where we're just making stuff up where, like, the last one in scotland there were roads that were little that are really real streets and roads that you can drive in in scotland to go through these areas because uh, that's one of the things that we that i did that was like oh cool here's Arthur's seat here's the road that goes right up to uh, edinburgh castle they do ha- it's not a realistic 100 recreation of the city but they had some of that stuff in there where i feel like so where are we drive around in mexico is it all dirt roads is it Paved roads. What what things are you showing? Because they didn't show Mexico City. They didn't show a big metropolitan area. They showed a little tiny town.
1: <laughs> yeah, and,
0: the, and rocks basically. So
1: I'm also not sure how you'd get from like, let's say you're gonna go to like Rosarito, right, or, or 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 Cabo, or even like the the other towns that are on the Baja California. When you go past it, like, how are you gonna go from let's say let's say they do have Mexico City? How are you gonna go from Mexico City to Baja California? Are you gonna have to drive all the way around? What is, how are you going to travel from A to B in that case so it's not so time-consuming? That's the part I was actually more worried about, because Scotland is smaller.
0: That's the thing. It's like the one in Australia, which is Horrors of Horizon 3, was a small section around Sydney and whatnot. Uh, Horizon 4 is Scotland, but it's a small section of Scotland. Um, so they got to center this around something and not just a desert. So where where is their spot in in Mexico, where you have mountains, jungles, deserts, and all these biomes that are easily reachable, that aren't gonna like have to have to like do okay. Well, you beat this section. Now we're moving the the festival all the way over to this other side, and you can't really go back to the to the one you were in before or something. Which that's not usually what Horizon does. It, if it moves things around, it still lets you drive to those old areas again, but it takes forever to get there.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. A lot of these games at the Xbox Bethesda Showcase did kind of seem limited in terms of what they showed. Like, like even this next one on this list, right, Psychonauts Two, right? We I, we've played Psychonauts One. I think it's a fun game. It's some parts of it are a little difficult. The learning curve can be like hit and miss here and there. Um, you know, Tim Schafer is brilliant. Double Fine Studios is a great studio. But once again, just like Forza Horizon, they didn't really show too much to give us a good idea, other than here's some cool stuff to look at. More to be shown later, I guess. But what's weird is Psychonauts 2 releases August 25th.
0: and That's, that's the thing. Is with uh, Psychonauts 2, like you said, you played it. I was not a big fan of the original art style. But that's because the way the art style works with the graphics back then, it's kind of blurry and kind of meh and muddy. Seeing it now in the newer consoles is much more crisper. It looks nicer. It looks better. I know Jack Black plays a role in this game um, that he featured in some of his videos and whatnot. Um, which looks very interesting, um, gave me the feel like there might be, uh, a play on different music genres of, like, here's, like, trippy 60s hippie music versus rock music, that type of stuff. I don't know if that's going to be an element play- that plays in it, too, but that's what I got from Jack Black's video, is that it seemed like there's definitely going to be a musical element in it. Um, it definitely looks good. I think people who like Psychonox 1 will like Psychonox 2. If you haven't played the first one, and if you're like me, like it doesn't—the first one doesn't look very good to me as far as aesthetically pleasing. This looks better because that art style is crisper and moves smoother in new, in better gen uh, hardware. So I'll probably try it out just to see what it's like.
1: Yeah, the control definitely looked a lot better. Like you said, smoother, definitely smoother. It looked like they they'd made a lot of upgrades to the combat and game design. Um, so we'll see more. I'm, I'm curious to see how this one shapes up, or maybe we'll just all find out when it releases. Who knows? Um, now, going in the last four here of this list, this next one kind of came at me. I had heard about it coming out a uh, bit of an older franchise, but Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl. And this game looks like it could be from the Metro series when you look at it from a, a visual standpoint. But the gameplay was especially interesting and unique. It, it looks gritty, Um, And if you were in enough danger from other people and things in your environment, you have these invisible anomalies which can kill you. Um, And you visit Pripyat, you know, which everyone knows is the site of the Chernobyl disaster. So I find a lot of what they present in terms of ideas interesting. They just didn't show a lot as well. That's the thing is that
0: um, the original Stalker game, I remember people raving about that when that came out. But that was more like it was like a true like stealth or sneaking around type game because you had to be very careful where you go with the radiation. You'd be careful about being detected, that type of stuff. This seems a little bit more action based. Um, But the fact that the whole thing was in Russian and (laughs) it did tell you a lot of the story what was going on. I was like, I don't care. I really just don't (laughs) care about this. You're not making it compelling at all for me to care. I don't know who any of these characters are. Why should care about anything that's going on? Why is anybody even in Chernobyl to begin with? Who cares? Um, so it's not one that's definitely, it's definitely not on my list of games to play, but I think fans of the series are probably in, uh, interested in it.
1: Yeah. And one of the other games they showed that um, really caught my attention, and I, I might even go as far as say as out of all of E3, this was probably my favorite, was Ayuddin Chronicle Rising and Ayuddin Chronicle 100 Heroes. This game looks like the proper evolution of what a 2D Final Fantasy RPG was going from Super Nintendo to modern consoles, right? You have pixel drawn characters, immaculately well-designed 3D backgrounds that are very detailed. You have the standard RPG elements and a campy narrative. It, it was very compelling. And uh, what was interesting is Twitter itself, you know, because I'm on Twitter quite a bit. A lot of people were talking about how, why don't more games look like this? And I kind of agree. I, I think the visual aesthetic was very well-designed. Um... It it did look like a turn-based RPG, but I wasn't 100% sure looking at it if it was going to be 100% that way, but it looked good.
0: Yeah, I got those vibes. I also got like, the vibes of, like... Um, what is that game called? God, I don't know how to tip my tongue. Octopath Traveler. It, like, reminded me how cool Octopath looked like uh, to me, but one of the things that came to my mind is, like, cool, let's make this a real good game where... All the characters, whether you have a good story, the characters interact with each other. Like, Octopath Traveler is a really good JRPG, but my one big gripe with it, and the one reason why I didn't finish it, is that you spend your time picking up like seven to eight different people to join your party. None of the characters interact with each other. <laughs> like they're like everybody has their own story that they're following, but they're never talking to each other about what's happening. Nobody's ever putting giving their input on somebody else's problem. It's just yeah, these eight people are with me. And I swap them out to fight with and they all have their own story that they're telling, but nobody seems to be connected to each other, which to me is like, that's a failure in storytelling. So if I can get a really good Final Fantasy, like classic Final Fantasy turn-based RPG game with a good story and really uh, crisp graphics like this, I'm down for that. I understand some people are like, hey, this looks like that PS2 game looks really great on the new hardware. Like, yeah. Obviously, it's not next-gen quality graphics, but it's taking the old-school stuff and making it run even smoother and better on newer hardware, which I can be down for as long as you have a good story to tell. If you have no story to tell and you're just showcasing a graphical art style, it gets boring really quick. So we'll have to see what they do with this.
1: Yeah, from a graphical standpoint, definitely pleasing. I I think you hit it on the head by saying it's just kind of taking everything and making it better. Um, more to see, I guess, with the narrative, but what they did show in terms of the character interactions did look really strong to me. Um, kind of on that same note of, of this 2D visual appearance, right, replaced. Looked like a dystopian version of the recently released Cloud Punk, which had some also Castlevania type of gameplay vibes in it. And visually stunning mix, again, of 3D environments and pixel art characters. I think it looks interesting, um, but I would have to see more. Um, the platforming to me looked a little rough visually but that I know I'm being a little anal retentive when it comes to that aspect, because we've had so many good platformers and, um, cloud punk. I enjoyed cloud punk, but it didn't, the gameplay didn't strike me as good as I had hoped, but I did enjoy playing it. This game kind of looks like in the same vein, but worth more of a metroidvania exploration.
0: Yeah. Um, I was very interested in cloud punk, but I had a lot, I ran into a lot of bugs in it. So I stopped playing it. So I don't know if they ever actually ever fixed the bugs that came out with cloud punk. Um, Again, this looks interesting, but again, like everything else, I need to see more. We didn't see enough to make uh, an
1: informed decision yet. Yeah, and I think that brings us to the heavy hitter of the Xbox show, which is Halo Infinite. Looking a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, first thing I noticed is like, hey, look, they use real rock uh, geometric shapes
0: instead of of the Minecraft blocky looks that they had. They're like, there's still a little bit of that in there, but... Now, I've never seen you're on a mountainscape like it actually looks like a real mountainscape and not these weird blocks, like, layered everywhere. Um, so, they definitely took the feedback that they heard where people were like, this looks stupid and looks like shit. And they improved that. And I think that definitely looked good. I would say their big announcement was that multiplayer was going to be free for everybody. It's just going to be, hey, here's Halo, Halo Infinite multiplayer. Um, no microtransactions. Everything you get, you earn through the game. Um, But it's going to be a heavy thing on uh, building your own Spartan and unlocking new cosmetics, kind of like how uh, Master Chief Collection is now. Um, I just hope that they make the guns feel right and feel good because, like, I played a lot of Master Chief Collection, and then I tried playing some Halo 5 yesterday, and I was like, wow, these guns feel weak. I can see why (laughs) everybody plays Master Chief Collection because they feel so much better and they have better sound effects. So hopefully... They do that, and then they showed a little bit of the of the Halo Infinite story, which I still have no idea if they're even, if, like, does Halo 5 exist in this universe, or do they just throw it out the door? They literally did, like, the weird thing of what you expect a middle-aged white man to do. They traded in Cortana for a younger version of her. <laughs> they literally say, oh, yeah, Cortana got decommissioned. Somebody picked her up to to destroy her. I'm your new Cortana. It's like... Same voice actor, but you gave us a younger, more vibrant version of Cortana instead of the moody bitch that she turned into.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we traded in the the naked looking AI for the thick girl in a uniform. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I got.
0: But I mean, but we'll... I think like she. I think the character design looks better. Yeah, but I'm like, obviously, like again, our my our biggest my biggest gripe with Halo is like they don't know what story to tell. They don't know what the fuck they're doing get rid of Master Chief, get rid of Cortana, and tell a new story in the Halo universe. Why the hell are we still with these characters? And all they did was like, people don't seem to like the old Cortana and how she's about to take over the universe, right? Let's not even reference that. And let's say, here's a new Cortana. She's young. She's different. She's not like that other one. It's like... Does he even need an AI?
1: Does he even need one? I mean, really? Because
0: he didn't start out with one. (laughs) I know, he doesn't. It's like... It's just like... Dropped that already. So we got to see more of where that goes. Because again, no idea if this is starting a new storyline and they're just forgetting about Halo 5 completely or if they're doing something completely different. Obviously, they've made it clear that we killed the or they're getting rid of, we're going to get rid of the old Cortana and here's a new one for you. Which seemed very odd. Um, The multiplayer I'm more excited about. I'm like, cool. If it's like, if it is anything like Master Chief Collection, but. Uh, with the new gear that they've added and uh, the new balances, that looks really cool because they've had like a bubble shield, but the bubble shield get, have sections that get taken down. They have uh, kind of like a armor lock shield that you can pull up and you can bounce energy back at people. So uh, people trying a new combo, you now you can now shoot that shit back at them and, and uh, kill them. Um, the weapons sounded and looked right. The grapple hook, my only kind of gripe on that is that... Titanfall did the grapple hook. I think Titanfall might have done it better because the Titanfall grapple hook is faster. Mm. This looked really, really slow, but it was also cool that you could grapple hook weapons and yeah. pick and pick weapons up. And that there's some weapons that you can actually do a ton of damage to vehicles now, so you actually have fighting chances. They don't give you armor lock anymore. I think like he shot a harpoon gun at a warthog and completely knocked it over. You can shoot the wheels off of the cars now, so like they'll run just on rims and they'll have a hard time driving. And then there'll be a, Basically a bailout point where the vehicle be on fire, and you have to decide do I bail or do I stay on here before and try and kill things before it blows up so it sounds like the multiplayer They've added a lot of cool things with it and made it look really crisp It moves really crisp and they've given you a lot of Customization stuff that you can do with it uh, Including this new concept of you having your own personalized AI that you'll probably basically unlock through um, Gameplay and are probably earning in-game credits or something that will be personalized to whatever you pick and that so i think it's probably more so along the lines of picking like the cortana voiceover or the buck voiceover or the uh <laughs> basic uh voiceover for the game we'll have to see where they do with that but bigger emphasis on creating your own spartan uh new armor abilities new uh new weapons and uh new gameplay uh opportunities so it's not this was one of the few games that it looked like a next-gen game and they were bringing new things to the franchise rather than rehashing old stuff.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned the lasso, that's actually a perfect thing about leveling the playing field between you on foot against a vehicle. For example, you could lasso a banshee and then knock that guy out of the banshee and then take over. So if you're sitting there getting bombed from the air, you're not just at the mercy of it. You can actually find a way to even the playing field. Using that lasso, and I think that was a good idea of, of balancing the gameplay. It's something I think Halo's needed for a while in multiplayer, so we'll see. Yep, <laughs> now that was day, um, that was two. essentially day, that was, yeah, day two. Sorry, yeah, day two, and day three was didn't really have much uh, per se to show. I'm just gonna harp on these four quick games from the indie showcase, they did show more than this, but I, I honestly feel like a lot of indie games aren't very compelling and i wanted to focus on the ones that really did look presentable and bark was basically a cute little shoot 'em up with cartoony graphics nothing exceptional just kind of a game for the shoot 'em up fans lars knots is a team fortress 2 style game blends multiplayer modern multiplayer on the online battle arena elements into it which i'm not sure if it's going to be better than team fortress 2 but it was in that same vein toy soldiers this game comes out in August. Looks like it would fit in with any of the Army Men series titles from the early 2000s. I'm sure you remember Army Men, Sarge's Heroes. Yep. Um, good games. Now, the game that I felt like was the strong hitter though of the whole in the showcase was Fallen Aces. Surprisingly compelling looking game here. Cell-shaded graphics telling a crime noir story. And the most interesting part about it is the engine looks like it's straight out of Wolfenstein 3D or the original Doom engine from the 90s. Maybe even Duke Nukem 3D, for those who remember that as well. It looked really good, and I liked the fact that it actually had a bit of a story intertwined with it. So it wasn't just like this very basic 3D game, but it was cool that you're you you know you're punching guys in the face, and then he's like actually taking the hits to his face and wincing with this 2D cel-shaded look when he does it as your fist kind of comes out the bottom of the screen really retro looking, but like a good, you know, kind of like um, a youth in Chronicles, right? It's like taking old concepts and reinventing them. And I thought it was really interesting to see that in the indie showcase specifically.
0: Yeah, that definitely sounded, sounds more interesting than the other titles. Um, so it might be something interesting to check out. <clears throat> Mightn't get a chance to see a lot of this because I was working uh, when they're doing most of this stuff. Um, but Fallen Aces does sound something interesting. Um, where other stuff just kind of says, like, they're kind of rehashing stuff and just making almost shovelware for, like, hey, if you like this, you'll probably like that. Yeah. And (laughs) play this. Uh, Now, when we got to day four, it's basically the Nintendo Direct is usually what Nintendo does. Um, There was kind of a lot of hype around this because people were expecting them to announce their new hardware, which is, like, a new Switch HD or Switch something that has... Or Switch Pro, I think it was what it was called, where... It doesn't have the Joy-Cons attached. It's basically a full handhold, handheld, I think is what some of the rumors are. Uh, because that's the business that they own, right? They own the handheld world. The Switch, I think, was a great idea to combine the two and very innovative. That's why one reason why everybody has it, right? One reason why everybody bought the Wii was because it was innovative and new. Um, but they didn't really show a lot of stuff that anybody really cared about. Um, like Super Monkey Ball uh, is basically every Monkey Ball game ever made. So if you're a Monkey Ball fan, great. Monkey Ball is basically Marble Madness, but with a monkey in it. (laughs) Um, Advanced Wars uh, 1 and 2, remastered Game Boy Advance games, 3D graphics. WarioWare, which is literally shovelware. (laughs) (laughs) But given with a a Wario twist beam. A lot of people liked it, but it literally is just mini mini games the entire time. Uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. If you're a Mario Golf fan, maybe, I guess, this game's for you. Uh, weird thing is, I find, is the Shin Megami Tensei five, Because Shin Megami Tensei is basically what Persona games are. Or Persona games came out of that franchise. And this is kind of the same, but this is more on done on, um, I think, a turn base. Well, it, they're both turn-based, but like, they're almost the same thing. But I guess the Shin Megami Tensei is... It's definitely a different art style than what the Persona games went for. Persona games, like Catherine, they went at more anime style. This is a little bit of that, but not as much. And it's more focused on, I think, strategy of placement where people are at and and how the fighting works is different than it does in Persona. But it's kind of weird because that's the series that Persona basically came out of. The one game that I actually di- was kind of excited about was definitely the Fatal Frame game. I was surprised to see it. I didn't think anybody cared about Fatal Frame again. I was like,
1: Cool. A Fatal Frame game, awesome! I would play that. <laughs> it, it's just a re-release of the Wii U game, but the problem is, who owned a Wii U? It's like not. A... Oh, really? Yeah, I know th- it was a re-release. I thought it was a brand new game. No, it was on the Wii U, but I, I really don't. I, I mean, I, I like Fatal Frame too, but the problem is, is. A, a... They kind of went just to Nintendo platforms, so like it kind of disappeared for a moment, right? I think there was another yeah. game that was exclusive on the Wii itself. Then we had this Wii U release, and pretty much every game that had some sort of fan following or, or decent reception on the Wii U, Nintendo's slowly bringing over to 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 Switch, right? Um, except uh, I think it's um, Tecmo, I believe, that owns the rights to Fatal Frame. Um, yeah it looks really interesting I'm curious to see the graphics do look slightly better or at least it runs slightly better than the Wii U version from what I've seen. I don't have a Wii U because yeah, I've never yeah. I didn't even know about this game
0: that it was on the Wii U but um, the graphics looked better definitely still looked like it was in an art stylish way of what some of the old games were um, they used a lot of the film grain to keep it creepy and whatnot. but it looked like cool this feels like Fatal Frame 2 which was a generally like creepy and
1: cool game to play yeah yeah, it'll be interesting. I'd, I'd be curious to see how it plays on Switch. I I need to get a Switch still, but just haven't even time to game much these days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw Dear Villagers though, but it was kind of I don't remember Muramusa kind of talking about the Wii. That was a pretty good Wii game, um, where you kind of have like characters that kind of move like Dragon's Crown sort of art style. Um, okay, it looked pretty good. Um, I'm not sure because they didn't really show story too much. But, um. I'm more of a story guy, so we'll have to see. But I did think, from a, a gameplay and RSL standpoint, it looked pretty good. Um, you mentioned Breath of the Wild too. I mean, I'm I'm not a big Zelda guy, and I I personally lean more towards the previous titles to Breath of the Wild. But um...
0: yeah, I mean, I have Breath of the Wild. I've actually not finished it yet. Um, it is a very beautiful and kind of cool looking game. I feel like where I Breath of the Wild really lacks, though, is the music department where. There, it has like cool elements where you're in some areas and you'll faintly hear the music of the Zelda. But it's so faint you can't really pick it up almost sometimes. Where I feel like they needed to add more of that to it. Um, but Breath of Wild 2 looks like it's kind of a mix of like Skyward Sword and Breath of Wild, right? Uh, it's still the same universe of Breath of Wild, but they, apparently there's floating islands now or something. And there's a lot of falling and jumping and transporting yourselves through rock to these other islands or something. Um, one of the biggest uh, things I saw on YouTube was uh, uh one of the, uh, Pro ZD did a video where it's like, "Oh, Breath of Wild two, you want to play as Zelda? Fuck you! You're not. You're playing as Link again." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I w- I'm not like the. I think the problem with the new newer Zeldas is they look much longer. I really liked, you know, the the they shorter time. They are very frames. long. Yeah, like Legend, uh, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm is nowhere near as long as, as Breath of the Wild is. Um, you know, maybe I just suck at games, I don't know, but I just it's just not my cup of tea. But you're right. The visual art style and design is is very amazing. The puzzles too, very amazing.
0: Yeah, it's the only thing is that I think Breath of the Wild is so good that people have started copying it to the point like almost like basically PUBG copying it. Um, Phoenix Immortals Rising Phoenix is a is a complete ripoff of Breath of the Wild except it's just placed in ancient Greece. And then they've done, a, I think, an ancient Chinese skin for that game too. Um, and that to me is like, Breath of Wild gameplay is based off of the original gameplay of the original Legend of Zelda. With like a lot of the things that make that game take a long time is that, like you can't get the Master Sword until you have a certain number of hearts. Well, getting hearts is very complicated, hard and kind of hard to do because you have to find all the shrines to do it. But those are things that slowed you down in the original Legend of Zelda. Um, where Breath of the Wild does it in a much more uh, almost the same way of just you have to explore and find shit on your own. There's no nobody leading you by the nose of where to go. Um, yeah. Wild Two looks interesting with with having the floating island concepts to it, um, but I'm not super interested in it, as in because I got kind of bored with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild just takes forever to play through. This feels like here's another game that's gonna be just as good just as great to look at um, and have just as much content, but it's still going to take you a while to get through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. more. It's definitely felt more of the same with some upgrades, um, which kind of was like Metroid Dread. They showed that too, right? <laughs> it's a kind of return for Metroid's 2D form, and you kind of get that SNES style Super Metroid gameplay, um, but with improved graphics. The only thing that I thought was funny is a lot of people on Twitter complained about how like this is as good as it looks and you're charging me 60 bucks.
0: <laughs> That's the other thing is that like it's the Metroid that nobody wanted. Everybody wants the next Metroid Prime. Like I played I've only played Metroid Prime 1, and I love that game. I thought that game was amazing when it came out. I would love to see more first-person Metroid Prime games, and like the Metroid Prime 4. They announced that years ago, and they're still teasing it. Even this year, they came and said, hey, we don't have Metroid Prime 4. We're still working on it, but here's Metroid Dread. It's like, well, I don't care. People who love the 2D Metroid and love Metroidvania-type games in 2D will probably like like this game. People like me who are wanting the next Prime first-person Metroid game, I'm waiting for that. And I'm still waiting. Uh, other thing that uh, they announced was another Smash Brothers character. Where I feel like Smash Brothers is getting to the point where, like, I don't care what characters you're adding. Like, and you're adding a Tekken character. Who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> it it's basically was an inside joke for everybody. Like, if you're a Tekken fan, you got they recreated a scene in Tekken where the character that they added to, which I don't even know his name, like throws yeah. his father off a cliff. Yeah. yeah. So they redid that same scene with him throwing all the Smash Brothers characters off a cliff (laughs) to announce that he's going to be in the game. To me, Smash Brothers is a really good game. It's really fun to play, and it's fun to play against other people. But they're running out of stuff than just adding characters at this point. Like, all right, you need to come up with something new for this franchise or stop adding stuff because I don't really care about paying for these characters. I I don't even think... Past the piranha plant, I don't have any other new characters in the game because I'm not I don't play it <laughs> enough to care.
1: Yeah, I haven't even played it since GameCube, so yeah.
0: Uh, Monster Hunter Two Wings of Ruin. Uh, if you're a Monster Hunter Rise a Monster Hunter fan, this game is for you. I played Monster Hunter World. That game is pretty fun, but I'm not interested. I'm not too into the whole Monster World franchise. But if you are, this is probably right up your alley. And then Mario Party Superstars, again, it's another franchise that it has its fan base. If you like Mario Party, which is a crazy-ass long Monopoly game, basically, that you play with your friends on a console, then you're going to like this. Like Mario Party is great to play with a bunch of people in the same room with, but outside of that event, it's meh to me, <laughs> I guess. So it's like,
1: right now, I'm not having a lot of people over at my house and having parties, so we're not playing Mario Party. Yeah, that's true. Online capability would add to it. I, I like Mario Party, but for me the load times was always an issue once they got off of the sixty four. Um but that was just a personal nitpick for me. I, I yeah, aside from that, I just and then, never got and it. The Nintendo
0: it. online system doesn't work very well. It's not very it's not as easy to match because it is on Xbox or PlayStation, so it's like that's why like with Smash Brothers I kinda don't care because unless somebody's in my house with me playing against me, there's nobody to play with. Yeah. So it kind of kills that. I mean, it's great that there's a whole system out there that has a lot of games designed for it for coach ca- couch couch co op. But unless somebody, unless people in your household really like that game, like to play it, then man, and Courtney Courtney likes Smash Brothers, but she's not going to say, "Hey, let's play Smash Brothers tonight." So like, he just sits there and collects dust.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, that pretty much sums up this what what I got the from from people online, everybody said Nintendo had the strongest showing, and I'm not necessarily sure I agree with it, but I I think the problem, too, is generally this E3 was pretty weak, so I would say it's a toss-up between Xbox, Bethesda, and Nintendo. You could go with either one, really.
0: I think the people who say Nintendo has the best showing are the Nintendo fanboys who think Nintendo's great about everything because Nintendo Directs are for those people. Uh, Xbox fans think Xbox is great, where I think Xbox had a actually pretty f- Poor showing, except for a few titles here and there. The um, next title, like which was from the Square Enix conference, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's literally the only other game that I saw here that looked like next gen graphics. Like Elden Ring was announced and shown before E3, but they kind of showed a little bit more of that. But Elden Ring looks like more Dark Souls to me. Um, it has definitely that Dark Souls aesthetic. Which can be very cool, but Dark Souls doesn't look very next-gen to me. It looks very uh, stylized. Halo Infinite and Guardians of the Galaxy looked next-gen with how the character models were designed, how they moved, how the animation and lighting worked. It looked like it was utilizing what's being put into these new new consoles, which I'm more interested in playing this because here's a game that looks next-gen versus necessarily the content in it. A lot of people were upset that you have a guardians game and you can only play as one character i'm like well they're gonna tell the story through star lord's eyes fine you play a star star lord it's a single player game i'm kind of okay with that i don't need a multiplayer game in order to do any game that i need to play through five different times so i can play through as each different character of the guardians to get their perspective that's kind of just elongating and bloating your game this does look interesting i want to see more of it but like i said It's the pretty, this and Halo Infinite Multiplayer were the prettiest games to look at, I feel like, throughout this whole thing. That wasn't a stylized, smooth running game. It's great that you have all these 2Ds, retro-looking, cool, art-style games coming out. But they're in those art styles because they can run smoother and faster on newer hardware. I want to see the hardware push it to where I get games like how mass effect was when that came i was like holy shit this looks really good like i want to see the next level of, of realism in gaming and not just hey cool this 2d game moves smooth now
1: yeah that bleeding edge uh technology advancements that really impress you in a way that few things do in all of like you know like we were talking offline before this it's like we went from like super mario brothers 3 uh, to like Super Mario World, we were like, oh my god, this looks amazing. And then you kind of went to the next platform, the next platform, and then PlayStation came, right? And I was like, oh my god, this looks even better, right? Because now you could do things you couldn't do before. And you had these revolutionary things as opposed to evolutionary things. You know, like, nowadays, most games tend to be evolutionary and i mean xbox series x and s and playstation 5 are out i feel like we haven't yet to see one game that really pushes the envelope that people just go holy crap this is something that is amazing and and may even be difficult to do on a pc that's high-end right it, it, they basically are high-end pcs but we're not really seeing anything that takes advantage of that hardware to 100 or near that yeah and like the things that i have seen that i've
0: called it like hey look Mass Effect Legendary Edition on the Series X actually has a notable difference in the Series S um, because of how it plays, how it does Shadow work, right? Like, it does it, but it does it in key scenes where you'll see it, and you don't see it all the time. So you'll notice it when it's when they're missing that animation or they're missing those those textures uh, because they didn't have time to go in and do it in every sequel c- scene, right? I want to see a next-gen game that has that not uncanny valley animation, but where things move where they feel realistic, they're moving smoothly. Shadow and light is playing off of stuff like it really like it realistically should, because that makes me go, wow, this looks amazing for some reason. Why? It's the lighting or it's the animation is done smooth. With Guardians of the Galaxy, from some of the behind the scenes stuff that they showed, they didn't just motion capture the main character. They have the whole team of people for the guardians are all motion captured characters and they all act out every sequence together, much like they did with, um, uncharted with the uncharted franchise. Mm. So the movements in the animation look smoother and they run better and, uh, looks crisper than you would if you just motion captured faces. And then you had, you animated bodies because you don't get the same animation or nuance and movement. Um, so, I think those are like the best of the best of what came out of uh, E3 this year. Again, E3 is dying. It's going to just turn into just in June, people are going to have events. And either they will all have them in the same week or they'll just all drop them. Nope. Um, but yeah, those are, I think, Guardians of the Galaxy and Halo Infinite Multiplayer are the best looking games that were announced. E3 is basically kind of a dying beast. We're not going to see the big expo that we had that we had in the past maybe. Or maybe there could be a, a, re, a rejuvenation of that since people have been cooped up and they all want to go out someplace. But E3 originally was just for the press, right? If they bring E3 back and they want to make it successful, I think it needs to be like a Comic-Con. like Everybody's invited. Everybody can go. You just buy a ticket. And then we'll see these companies can maybe come back to that. Um, but it's cheaper for them to just do a broadcast like they did this year. Um, I just hope next year we get more and more like hey these games are coming out now and then we actually change the formula to instead of getting these bo- these kind of crappy teasers that just give us a concept and don't actually show us gameplay that they start giving us trailers like movie trailers like in general most movie trailers use con- use footage from the movie <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to go see so give me game trailers that uses footage from the actual game so I can see what gameplay is like give me elements of story let me know why I should play this game? Not, hey, here's some cool, wacky-looking characters, and they're fighting vampires. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like, well, why? What happened? What's going
1: on? Yeah. Sh- just show me the gameplay. I mean, no, I normally see like in past E3s, you'd see like the guy come out and play the game live in the demo. They, I didn't see that once this E3, not once. It was interesting.
0: Yeah, because I mean, they got caught for lying <laughs> last time they did that <laughs> shit. <I> remember? <laughs> that's true. But
1: some people did it for real. That's what. That's what I yeah. like seeing it. Um. It was very really interesting. And, uh, you know, we did leave out some aspects, too, about this E3. Like, we didn't discuss Razer. We didn't discuss Mythical Games much, or, uh, which had the Blancos game, right, and Take-Two showcases. Well, I think you put it best, right? Razer seems to think E3 was a CES event. <laughs> we got a laptop yeah, and like... a USB charger, overpriced LED mask. <laughs> yeah, like, when I heard
0: what Razer is showing, I'm like, do they realize it's June and not March? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, hey, uh, Razer, this isn't CES. Nobody cares about your laptop to come out. Nobody cares about a, UB, a USB charger uh, brick that's super small. And nobody in the time when mask mandates are going away wants to buy an LED mask. Like, you, this, and one, I'm not going to spend, like, a, I have no idea what the price point at. But I've seen versions of this that, like, um the guy from... Uh, Black IP's his design. He's like, oh, it's a $200 mask. Nobody's going to pay $200 for a face mask, yeah. dude.
1: Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> You're stupid. At a gaming <laughs> event, why would you advertise? This? But, you know, and, and then we have yeah. Mythical Games. Going back to the Blanco's vinyl toy thing, right? One of the new angles you mentioned is this whole NFT thing. And for people who are not familiar with NFTs or non-fungible tokens, these are items that you basically purchase through cryptocurrencies. That's what NFTs are, right? You're basically making your purchases through the cryptocurrency. So, you take your dollars, you convert them to cryptocurrency, you purchase the in-game items through the cryptocurrency, which these things are basically sold as NFTs. I'm just not sure if that's a sales approach that's going to take off. I know you mentioned kids. This is clearly a game that's free to play, advertised towards kids. Are kids going to be sitting here converting dollars into cryptocurrencies? And and what are the legalities of all that too, right? like Because now we're talking about people re- literally converting money into these other currencies if you will right it's it's different from me going to disneyland and getting disney bucks right we're not talking about the same scenario now because kids can buy a multitude of yeah. things with nft money or, or cryptocurrency money
0: well that's that's the thing is that like with we're talking about cryptocurrency right adults have a hard time trying to understand what the fuck cryptocurrencies are <laughs> you're gonna throw this at children now and thinking that oh well children will just understand it better like children don't understand money period to the point that that's why they rack up thousands of dollars <laughs> on their parents credit cards in these games You're now going to give them access to a cryptocurrency, which, if it took off, would it end up being like Bitcoin being worth millions or thousands of dollars or whatnot? Possibly. If that happened, are you going to let kids just fucking throw that money around? That's weird. It seems seems like an odd thing to do. And, again, it seems like a game where it's like, who wants this? Who asked for this? Nobody. Why are you making it?
1: It's really weird.
0: And then, I guess, the worst showing of the show was obviously Take Two because... like i said before it was hyped up to people thinking are we going to see next gen uh upgrades for red dead uh redemption red dead one are we going to see gta 6 which everybody wants to see which honestly i don't think they're going to make a gta 6 until people stop playing gta 5 online if they make another game it's going to be an updated online game and not another single player game we might not ever see another gta single player game but instead they showcased a zoom call which was like an hour and a half long on the youtube video thing a half hour of it being the placeholder for starting soon and then you have basically an hour-long zoom call of them talking about diversity not showing any games not talking about anything it's like why are you here nobody wants to see a bunch of corporate execs talk about how they want to have diversity and all that it's like that's a good message but we're at a game convention here, dude. We want to see, and everybody's here to see what new games you're coming out with. So, how are you adding this diversity stuff to your games? Show us in game Show us a game that you're doing this on. Are you, or are putting more homosexual characters in as NPCs and games? Okay, what game are you doing that on? <laughs> oh, you don't have a game to talk yeah. about that. So, like, actions speak louder than words. Don't waste my time with this shit. You have you have a ton of titles at your disposal that you could be making games for, or even coming up with a new IP. And you spent your time having a Zoom call. That's horrible.
1: Uh, yeah, cultural sales pitch without any teeth is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen at E3, and I might even go as far as say this is the worst because normally everything I thought before was crap. At E3 it was just a bad game, but this wasn't even a game. This was—I felt like we, it was like, hey, community, public, want you to sit in on this work meeting from Take Two and be bored to death. And it was so bad. I skipped through it, hoping to see something. There was nothing, and I think that speaks to just E3 overall. That I really thought it was a lackluster showing. There really wasn't much gamers had to see in terms of new gameplay styles or unique narr- narratives. Um, but that's just kind of. My takeaway of overall this E3, I want to say, it was probably one of the weakest one in decades. Even, um, what would? Yeah, I mean, honestly,
0: to make E3 a good thing again, we need to have somebody come out there and say, "Hey, here's this cool game. Here's the game, but here's this. Guess what? It'll be out next week, or it'll be out tomorrow." Like, don't show us stuff that's going to take six years to make, or six years out, because we're gonna forget about it, and we're gonna, or we're gonna hype it up like Cyberpunk, and it's not gonna live up to what you want it to be where you'd be pressurized, pressured to get it out on time. Show us the stuff that's done. Show us the stuff that you're about to come out with this year. Like, don't show me... I, I Like, 2022, okay, that's a year and a half away for a fall 2022 release, but I don't want to see a 2026, 2027, 2025. No, I want to see games that are coming out this fall or the next few months that I can go out and buy soon. And it's even better when you can sit there and say, this game will be out next week. You can mm-hmm. buy. It. It's done. Instead of like saying, hey, look at all the ideas we have. Because you end up, like you said before, you, you end up getting that Malhu effect where it's like, well, you're telling me about, about everything your game can do, but you're not showing it. So it means you haven't done it. And you're using spin words and catchphrases like cloud computing, which means you don't know what the fuck you're do- talking about. We've already seen the fallout of that stuff in the past, like crackdown. Three and all those other, other games that came out that were completely lackluster that didn't uh, deliver on any of their promises. And you're like, well, this is shit. <laughs> and then we have to release it for free so that nobody complains to us about it. And it's just forgotten.
1: Yeah, I'm really hoping we'll see a return to form with like 2019, like you said, and we'll see people attending, playing games. I think that's a much better idea. I, I think if they're going to stick with this digital release format... They should probably have not necessarily like a portal on each console that or platform, but maybe just have more demos released so players can kind of get a feel of what these games are because it's it's Electronic Entertainment Expo E3. We're here to have interactive entertainment, get an idea of it. I don't really give a shit about a Borderlands movie. Like You didn't even show me anything about the movie. You just talked about it, and it was all hype, hype, hype. Like At some point, you got to deliver. This was more hype than delivery in terms of an event, in, in any degree, really. Yeah, I mean,
0: people wanted to see... People got to see Breath of the Wild 2 finally, right? But it was a teaser trailer. They didn't get to actually see what's going on, how that reg- rests the story. They didn't get to see the things that they wanted to see. We got to get, hey, this will hold you over, the things that they thought would hold us over. here, Metroid Dread will hold you over for all the Metroid Prime people who want a Metroid Prime game. It's like, no, I want a Metroid Prime game. So there, what I got from this showing was that there's one or two games I want to buy in the next yeah. year. Yeah. And those are games like Infinite is going to be coming out this year, and Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out in August, or October. So, I mean, those are two games I can buy this year. Everything else... I really don't care about it because it's not going to be out for another two, three years.
1: I so, think Chronicles looks pretty cares? good. I think one comes out this year and then or maybe it was, I want to say one came out this year and then one comes out next year. I can't remember the release dates on it, but that, that game actually was the most compelling to me. Um, Replace looked pretty good. Stalker 2 looked pretty good. Um, I know it's in Russian, you know, but it, it just looked like I, I like seeing these different narratives. That's really what I like about E3 is I want to see things that push the envelope, give me some sort of experience. I wouldn't have had any other way. And yeah, I mean, for the few titles that did really well with this, I can't praise them enough because, you know, like you phrased it earlier. We're in a drought of new games right now in terms of things taking on new ideas and doing new things. Everyone's kind of in sequel-itis it's a sequel or a remake or a remaster or something it's it's not really something that's trying to change the recipe up right and that's uh, for the games that really try to do something new like like i chronicles i can't praise them enough for that alone because that is that's why i'll watch e3 again if if i didn't have those games i wouldn't watch them again and i think part of the problem too is developers need to stop showing the same game every e3 like halo infinite <laughs> we're seeing this two years in a row um, Yeah, and that's why I think they need to cut them off to, like, show games are
0: coming out within the next six six to ten months. Yeah. That way you don't end up repeating yourself over and over again still talking about the same games. <clears throat> you don't announce a game last year like Fable and then not show it here or Perfect Dark and not show it the next year or any of these other stuff. Like, stop showing us things that you have fine, great, you greenlit a Fable game, but you have no idea what it's going to be or how it's designed don't show us anything till you got got past yeah. the part metro prime 4 until you're already developing it. <laughs> like you said metro yeah. prime stop sh- that's that's why the outer worlds trailer is so funny because it's exactly calling that out like hey all we have all we greenlit is that we're going to make a sequel so here's a here's a elongated trailer of bullshit to let you know that we're making a sequel yeah wow.
1: i can get behind that. Um, that that
0: that's a very clever way yeah. to do it but and and that, that that's what made that enjoyable right because they knew hey all we have is a, have is a title. We don't have anything else, and they flat out told us that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Like I said, some of these ga- uh, some of the games are coming out this year that are the main staples for every year, like a Forza game, Halo, Guardians of the Galaxy. All of these indie games will probably be out by the fall or by early next year. Um, that we'll get our hands on. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what actually comes of this stuff. Um, Hopefully next year the pandemic is completely gone. People can go back to conventions and then they can maybe hopefully get people together to put together a really good E3 that's more on par with a San Diego Comic-Con event where you can have hundreds of thousands of people show up and experience stuff versus these passive uh, things that we're getting now. Um, So... Overall, you'll see people with videos out there nowadays saying, like, "Who won E3? Who did this?" I'm not really the fan of thinking like who won, who didn't. Right now, Sony is looking bad because they came out with nothing and have nothing. Everybody will be raving about what they come up with when they have their own event in a few weeks, probably, or a month or two. Uh, in the end, the pandemic kind of screwed a lot of stuff over. We have people who can't get consoles. We got manufacturers who can't make consoles, and we got developers who aren't making a lot of games. Uh, so we just got to see what happens in the next year and we kind of pick and choose the few games that we're going to buy and dump a ton of our time into because you're not going to have the plethora of overwhelming tons of games all of a sudden. Uh, we're just going to have a few good ones here and there. Uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the Forthright Gaming Podcast, making gaming content for gamers by gamers. Uh, this is our E3 discussion. and You can watch our stream on the Xbox Bethesda Uh, reactions on our website or on our YouTube channel. Uh, And we'll catch you next time. So thanks for joining us. Yeah,
1: you have a good one.